Shabbat Shalom. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon for me. And good evening for yeah, others. Yeah, for me right? too. <laughs> Arab Tov. Shabbat Shalom. Yes. Good morning. Yes, we've got, we have a, so, many, so many people here who are so Shabbat proud. Shalom. We have a very good crowd here immediately at noon. Shabbat Shalom and Boker Tov to you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. And I'm going to keep on admitting people here for a while as they come through the door. Good morning, Dr. P. So good morning. So this morning, I want to start out with, um, we've got to kind of um, hmm, regulate our Shabbat a little bit, because otherwise we're just not going to be able to get stuff done. And yeah. Uh, and part of that means that when we get to when we get to questions here, we have to first of all, I'd appreciate it if I can get a little bit of teaching in before we get to the questions, right? <laughs> so let me just say a few words, and then we'll get to questions. And then if you could hold your questions, you know, if, you know, limit yourself to two questions and ask those questions, okay? So that we can we can discuss because I know there's so many people in this group that are just absolutely brilliant people and have much, much to share. But we have to take it kind of piece by piece. Well, hopefully we're gonna to continue to meet uh, time after time for as long as Yah will allow it. And that we can share with one another important points, right? And uh, so these things will become really, really important to all of us that we respect each other's time and that we can uh, you know, maintain a little bit of forum and a little bit of decorum as we go through this, okay? Oh, it's so good to see all of you people. Oh, I just love you all. It's so good to see all of you. And you know, what is so good about our fellowship is that we know that when, when you hear this phrase about dying to self, you know, the idea of dying to self, you put off yourself long enough to consider others. And in any time that you, anytime that you put off yourself to consider someone else, right? I mean, you could live your life with, uh, you know, nothing, nothing but vacation and a new BMW on your mind. That's one approach. But the other approach is to instead uh, be a generous person who gives of your life freely to others. And, and you give of your life freely to others out of love for other people. And this love is the expression of Yah's command. When we talk about dying to self, we talk about putting our own stuff away for a while to give some thought for other people and to think and do for others. And when you're thinking and doing for others, when you've taken the time to do that, you are expressing the love of Yah. This is loving your neighbor. This is the love of Yah. This is dying to self. Now, ultimately, some people give their life for others, you know, and we know that there are many people that have done that. Uh, one that comes to memory to me that um, really meant so much to me was this expression of a young man in Ukraine who when Chernobyl melted down. Uh, Chernobyl was a horrible event. And if, if you, you can go there now and kind of Google Earth it and look closely at what the landscape looks like. And it's lit. There's a, there's a parking lot that is littered with helicopters, fire trucks. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on and on. Uh, rescue vehicles. And they can't use those vehicles because they were so irradiated with the radiation that poured out of Chernobyl which was a huge, huge ecological disaster, maybe the worst in world history. 
uh, until Fukushima anyway. But with that event, they couldn't figure out what to do. It was in a complete meltdown. They were going to have a China syndrome. The reactor was just pouring out radiation. And finally, they determined the only way to do it was to take a hose, a giant hose, and pump cement directly into the reactor until they could seal it off and close it off. And this young man, I think he was in his early 20s, he walked up on the roof of Chernobyl, which had melted through. So it was a very dangerous place to be. He walked up on that roof and he took that hose and he poured the concrete into that reactor, knowing full well that he was going to die from a horrible death of radiation within two weeks. And he did, in fact, die from it. But this was somebody, and whose name, do we, do we even know his name? I don't know his name. It'd be nice if, if, some, if somebody knew his name, but the point is, is that this young man gave his life, gave his life for the rest of us. And, uh, you know, and for, for really all of Ukraine, all of Russia, which would have, many, many people would have uh, died from that radiation had he not done it. Now, it's not over. That reactor is still, uh, still alive, still dangerous, still capable of spreading. You know, there are some, there's, there are three different kinds of radiation come off a reactor, and some of them have a half-life of 2,300 years, which is cesium, right? Strontium-90 has a half-life of 130 years. So once these poisonings hit us, they're with us for a long period of time. But at any rate, I want to just point out that when we talk about, for instance, the, the, uh, the soldiers who died on the beach at Normandy in World War II to prevent the rise of, uh, of Nazism worldwide, you know, these were people that were willing to give their life for their brothers and sisters for whatever cause they saw uh, as being relevant. And uh, there, but there are more examples than just soldiers. There are people who give up their life to care for loved ones, right? I have a, I've got a good friend here. I don't think he couches himself in righteousness or believe that he's, that he's lived in righteousness. But he gave up most of his adult life to care for his uh, mother who had Alzheimer's. And, uh, you know, so he spent years uh, doing nothing except caring for her and put off his life. And uh, finally, uh, when she finally passed away, he was able to get married. He was 60 when he got married. So, you know, so you see that there are there are people that do these things and they may they may not claim righteousness, but it is righteousness to care for others. And we see that we see that righteousness, a form of that righteousness in parents because parents put off their life because of the love of their children. And, you know, when you, before you have children, you think to yourself, well, uh, you know, you're pretty self-centered. You know what I mean? You, there's three people in your life that you really care about, me, myself, and I. And, and then when you have a child, it's just amazing. When that child is born, you're just overwhelmed with parental love for the child. You know, it's an overwhelming and life-converting experience. And once that happens, you start putting off your life to raise your children. Your life gets set aside. You die to self to the extent that you're not living your life anymore. You're living your life on behalf of the children and the loved ones that you care for. This is really a part of Yah's plan. And this is what he means when he's talking about love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is, and this is really the expression that John is talking about, right? That, you know, and Paul is talking about there's one commandment that sums it up, which is love, you know, which is love. Love supersedes all of it. And it's equally important that we also have the love of Yah. And the love of Yah has to be first and foremost above 
all other things to love. The love of God has to be first and foremost. And so as we're getting here, we're meeting a few more people here. And now that we've got, we've got just about everybody in the group here. So we can pray. Well, let's pray with an opening for Shabbat. And, you know, I love Shabbat morning because Shabbat is the time when Yah tells us to put away our world and to take on his world and to leave behind the cares and concerns of this life and concern ourselves with the life that Yah has granted us. And as we take this time to pray, let us contemplate in our own minds. I know that there are many stresses in our lives right now. Some of us have more stresses than others, but as we do, let us first take time to give thanks this morning, to give thanks in our heart for the things that Yah has done even this morning. Yada Yahweh Sebaot. Hear our prayers, Yahweh, as we lift them to you now on this Shabbat morning. Father, we know that uh, you have intended blessings for your people. For I know the thoughts I think of you, says Yahweh Sebaot, to give you hope in the future, to prosper you and to bless you. And you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Yah. And so you have planned these blessings for us. We want to give thanks to you now. Yada, Yawa. We give thanks now for the things that you have put in our life. Thank you for the shelter over our heads. Thank you for the food that we will eat today. Thank you for the breath that resides within us that has given us life to breathe, to speak, and to think, and to be today. Thank you for the heart that beats continually today, that beats on behalf of the life you have given us. Thank you for expressing your purpose in our life and for giving us your name. Thank you for calling us back into your kingdom through the redeeming blood of Yosha. Thank you for restoring us in, in spirit and in truth. Thank you for setting forth your word that we might study it and know it. And thank you for promising us the resurrection to come. We lift these two things to you this morning in great thanksgiving. From our heart, in the name of Yahusha, Amen. 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 So, so here we are. We begin with. We begin Amen. With, we begin with Thanksgiving, right? We begin with Thanksgiving, and now with Thanksgiving, we take a look at. And I mean, and I want to speak just a little bit this morning before I get into this morning's message. I want to speak just a little bit this morning about the kinds of stresses that are that are on the earth right now. Uh, you know, we were at fellowship last night. We have a, a Shabbat Eve fellowship, and it's a you know it's a non digital fellowship. We actually meet in person and talk. And um, one of the women in the fellowship uh, disclosed to us that there was a briefing at the big military base here. It's called J Bear Joint Base Elmendorf Richardson. And that at this meeting, they had a discussion. They were briefed on going door to door concerning the jab. The military was briefed on this here. And so I suppose that what is going to happen is there's going to be military support for this idea of going door to door. Now, we also know that there has been a great deal of disclosure in the last few days 
there's been a great deal of disclosure about the actual um, ingredients that they're finding in the vax and what is in fact going on. And uh, one thing is that they have this, um, there appears to be a um, reversal that you can use to reverse the effects of the vax. Uh, and so this is something that's, that's worthy of noting because, and I don't have the exact data here, uh, but I will, I will circulate it uh, at our next meeting. There is uh, apparently the active ingredient that they're using is a thing called graphene oxide. And this graphene oxide is a, this is what's causing the magnetism in people. And it's causing other things. It causes the nanobots to create a circuit inside your body. Uh, and it's also responsible for taking away your taste and your smell. And if this graphene oxide is present in the masks, it's present in the jab, and it's present in the swabs that they use for testing. I don't know that, they, but one thing about this graphene oxide is that the body, uh, the healthier bodies have a natural enzyme in the body. And, you know, I've got to look at it. I think it's called bethutyanine or tianine. Anyway, I will get the name to you. And this is actually something that you can use. You can, you can get it uh, uh, as a remedy. This is a natural enzyme that appears in the body. You can get it and it will reverse it. It knocks down the graphene oxide in your body. Now there's, for people that are healthy, your body's producing this. And so the graphene oxide, when it enters your system, the body tends to destroy it. It pushes it down, it wipes it out. And this is why they're talking about having to have a booster because they want to keep the graphene oxide in your system. So now they're going to be talking about, you know, three shots a year, boom, 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 in order to keep the level of graphene oxide up high enough where you can be controlled by the internet of things, right? Which I always call Cinco Gaia, Cinco Gaia. And uh, which, you know, which is Cinco is five and Gaia is the word uh, that spells out the letter G, right? So when you hear me say Cinco Gaia, you know what I'm talking about. But the, the, the plan is, of course, this psycho psychopathy that's running the world right now is a psychopathy that comes directly from Hasadan. There's no other way to put it. And yeah, here we go. Yeah, so Daniel is laying it out here. He's telling us the whole thing here. Possible antidote for spike protein. And that is the, the link that he's putting there is a link that you guys should all look to and open it up and read because there is an antidote. And the antidote is a natural enzyme. And it's something worth knowing because for all of us who've had loved ones who have made the mistake and have uh, entered into this fax, uh, yeah, opine tree tea, yeah, yeah. And, and so this is why, um, yeah, anacetylene acyste, yeah. That's, that's one thing of it, uh, Heather, but there's another one that does have this, that does have this product that is sold separately. At any rate, uh, you know, the, the plan is to enslave humanity and not to enslave all of humanity, just those that happen to survive this genocide that we're in right now, because they expect the weak ones to die in this genocide. And then only the strong will survive and the strong, the strong that do survive will be enslaved the digital mindset that will be completely controlled from the hive mind. 
uh, leaving only the one percent. That no, that's not it. That's not it. Um, but it is. This is the enslavement that they have planned. Now, I can tell you that. Um, I can tell you that even with all of that being here, that uh, these you can see that the plan, that their plans, their psychopathic plans to dominate the world and to force us into an AI compliance with the beast. These plans are falling apart because Yah's creation is greater than Satan's plans, right? Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And that has real meaning because greater is he who is in us means that the plan that he created in our bodies is much greater than anything that they can come up with to try to destroy us. And so they thought they were gonna be able to do it with a single vax. And they've discovered that a lot of bodies are defeating that. So now they have to come up with a double vax. They came up with that and they're finding that bodies are defeating that too. So now they haven't admitted it, but they're going down a path of, we have to administer this three times a year to keep this level of metal in the body high enough that we can control it. Well, it sounds like a Microsoft update, doesn't it? The, you know, Windows is never quite there, right? I don't know if you if, if you guys remember Windows ME Millennium Edition. What a disaster that was. Windows ME, and they only allowed it out there for I think seven months. Chlorine dioxide. Yeah, there you go. And so, so what we see is uh, the reason I'm telling you this is because uh, the 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 plans of the wicked continue. And even though we look and we say, oh, well, these are the glorious days of summer, you know, which always brings a great deal of joy when the sun's shining and we can go outside and do all that. And, but nonetheless, hold on just a second. Okay, there we go. So, but nonetheless, we have uh, the idea that. Um, That's not much louder. You guys be the judge. It's louder than that, but it's so hard. Okay, Murray, you got to, I think you got to, you got to uh, mute there. Let's leave the camera off, right? Okay, hold on. Let's see if I can find it here in just a second. Yeah, Murray's muted. Okay, that's good. Somebody's not muted, though. Hold on. We got to find out who it is. It's Brian and kids. Yeah, Brian. You got you to mute Brian. Sorry. Okay, there you go. Thank you. And so at any rate, so as we look at this, we know that but what we have seen really is this progress, this progression that we have seen since Revelation 13 sign was seen has been an increasing of the birth banks. And I mean, and I'll just tell you, quite frankly, I believe we're going to continue to see them increase. And they're going to continue to increase uh, month after month after month. And this is going to continue until April of 2024. So as a consequence, one cannot sit back and say, okay, well, everything's going to be fine. That's not what's going to be, that's not the situation at all. Instead, we see a situation that is going to get continually more and more intense. And that they literally are anything they can think of that is uh, destructive to human life, that is uh, defiling to human life, that is decadent, that is uh, determined to overthrow the world that Yah has planned, they are doing anything and everything. If it comes to mind, the following day they do it. 
and the fact that they're going door to door and the fact that they briefed the military about going door to door is so completely unconstitutional. It just is beyond imagination. You cannot use the US military against American citizens. And yet they are now going to do that. And they've told the military, they've told members of the military that you either take the vax or we're kicking you out of the military and you can pay back all the money that we spent training you to become an officer, to become a soldier. So not only are you getting kicked out, but you also owe a lot of money. And so this kind of coercion is becoming very intense. And it's like, they're not thinking of it. This is coming from Hasatan himself. This is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to do this. This is how we're going to do this. And so what you see with this happening is that the rise of the man of lawlessness is soon going to be among us. And we're going to see that very, very clearly because the falling away has already happened. The apostasy has already happened. The people that we believed were believers didn't believe the scripture at all. They didn't study the scripture. They didn't believe it. They didn't take it into their heart. And they had instead have listened to the image of the beast. And the image of the beast is, of course, that black screen that speaks back to you. And when you're sitting there listening to the image of the beast and worshiping that image, guess what happens? You tend to believe what that image is telling you. And that image tells you, you know, I saw a document today that was produced by a university. And that university was telling us, hey, here's the situation. You have to sign off if you don't want, if, you know, it's a mandatory vax to attend our university. Now, there is a religious exemption because this is a so-called religious university. But if it's an exemption, you have to sign off on the following things. One, there's a very deadly virus out there. Well, that's a flat lie. Two, there is a vaccine that has been created that will block that virus. Well, that's a flat lie. Three, the, uh, the vaccine has been well tested and thoroughly tested. Well, that's another bald-faced lie. And so the students are being required to sign off on these admissions against interest in order to obtain an exemption from the vaccine, which will not give them an exemption at all, but will in fact set them up through a series of admissions to be uh, subject to a mandatory vaccine, a mandatory vaccine. So all of these things are, you know, it begins with a lie. It begins with a lie. Now, I'm going to come back to this because we have several lies on the table here. One lie, of course, is global warming. Now, global warming, when, when, when global warming was proposed, this was proposed by the very same people who are behind this worldwide genocide right now. Okay? The very same people. Goes back to Prince Philip. Goes back to Maurice Strong. Mikhail Gorbachev. Stephen Rockefeller, uh, the Church of Gaia, the Church of Euthanasia, uh, NSS 200, uh, the report from Iron Mountain, and ultimately to Thomas Malthus, who concluded that there were too many people on earth when Eve was born. The fact that there was a second person meant there were too many people. So what you see is, is that you see that uh, this conclusion that there were too many people. And they concluded that, back, by the way, when there were three and a half billion people on earth, that there were way too many people. That there are too many people is a myopic view that allows some people to think that they have the right to eliminate other people 
to justify a less populated earth. And so they have been going through these machinations. All the, I have all of this detailed in a book called Behold a Pale Green Horse. And uh, in that book, I detail all of their MOs, what they did, who they are, and why they came forward with what they did. And all of it, the, the whole idea behind climate change was to criminalize human life, okay? Because you are a carbon criminal because you exhale, okay? You exhale, therefore the earth is warming. Now, of course, none of that is true. The earth is warming because of its relationship with the sun. That's why it's warming. It's not warming for any other reason. And furthermore, CO2 is not a, 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 a greenhouse gas. CO2 is not a greenhouse gas. You can put it, you can fill up a greenhouse with it and try warming it up. It won't do a thing. The only thing that warms up a greenhouse is water vapor, not CO2. Furthermore, of the, of the 150 billion metric tons of CO2 that enter the atmosphere every year, 149.85 of that metric tons is evaporated off the surface of the ocean. The rest is man-caused, okay? So the whole myth of, of, of global warming was completely dispelled when they couldn't keep the globe warming. I mean, Al Gore told us that New York City was gonna be under 15 feet of water in 2010. It's not. And he also told us the Maldives were gonna disappear. They didn't. He told us that certain cities in Indonesia were gonna be flooded, they aren't. And he was just flat wrong. Nobody calls him to account about the fact that he lied like a rug and he put out false information. And he told the whole world that it was closed science. There's nothing to debate here. It's closed science. And because he said that, and because they did that, they closed the human mind. Now, there were a lot of people who said, well, look, I don't necessarily believe in global warming, but I think it's prudent for us to be more ecologically minded. You know, let's cut down greenhouse emissions. Let's cut down, you know, CO2. Let's cut down this. Let's cut down that. We'll, we'll try to be more environmental friendly. Okay. But from my point of view, the single largest environmental killer in the world is planned obsolescence. When you plan to make a product that you've manufactured obsolete such that you have to throw it out and buy another one, you're creating one of the great environmental crimes on earth. And if you've ever seen photos of those computer dumps in Nigeria that go on for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres, you'll know what I'm talking about. Whatever happened to all those, uh, you know, those IMACs we used to have, whatever happened to all those CRTs we used to have, whatever happened to the, you know, you go into an office and there would be all these TVs on top of everybody's desk. Remember, remember those days? Those are all gone. Where'd they go? Well, they all ended up in a landfill in Nigeria and they're sitting there and they're not going away. I mean, it's plastic. It's not going to rot. It's just dumped. And, you know, the Chinese are continually to build nothing but but planned obsolescence in device after device after device, such that the European Union came out and told the Chinese point blank, if you're going to introduce a product into Europe, you will put together an owner's manual, it will be repairable, and it will have a life of at least 10 years, period. They told them that outright. They're passing it as a law. Well, somebody finally got smart and recognized that the number one killer of the environment is planned obsolescence which creates the mass storage of junk all over the world. You can't get rid of it. So the oceans are full of this stuff. There's landfills full of it. There's parking lots full of cars that have never been driven. Do you know that? Cars that have never been driven. They couldn't sell them, so they just parked them. Brand new cars, no miles on them. 
Yeah. And they parked them so that they, you would never get a cheap price on a car, right? You still have to pay 75,000 bucks for a car that's worth, you know, five. So this is the situation that we're in. And, but the lie that was promulgated by the global warming crowd now becomes the lie in this pandemic. You see, it's the same lie given by the same people. We convinced you this was true. And while we're still having this stuff come out of our mouth right now about global warming, we're going to execute this plan telling you, you're gonna get sick from this virus, that this, that this virus is a deadly killer. It has a 99.84% survival rate. This virus is a killer. They lied about the number of deaths, the actual number of deaths that deaths that you see calculated worldwide. It's only 6% of what they're actually telling you, 6%. In the meantime, the virus in the United States has killed over 9,000 people. We looked at the number last night. That's reported deaths, 9,000 people. And it's injured over half a million. And so, you know, you're seeing something that is really quite draconian happening here in the world. And as we see this draconian aspect happening, what I'm saying to you is that this is not going to get easier. This is not going to relent. It's going to keep coming at you. And it's going to keep coming at you for the next roughly 24 months, okay? 30 months, right in that range. Now, with that being said, we know that Yah has many, many promises for his people. So we're going to begin today with, of course, Psalm 27. Let us begin there and let's see what Yah says to his people. Because he says something very important. Yahweh is my light and my Yeshua. Whom shall I fear? Yahweh is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up at my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of Yahweh, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of Yahweh all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of Yahweh and to inquire in his temple. For in the day of evil, he shall hide me in his sukkah. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. Now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto Yahweh. Hear, O Yahweh, when I cry with my voice, and have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said unto you, your face, Yahweh, et will I seek. Hide not your face far from me. Put not your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O Elohai of my Yeshua. When my father and my mother forsake me, then Yahweh will take me up. Teach me your way, O Yahweh, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies, 
deliver me not over unto the will of my enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of Yahweh in the land of the living. Wait on El Yahweh, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on El Yahweh. The hallelujah. You know, uh, such an important point. And I'll tell you, even read, you know, we read this last night and, and even reading it again this morning. This is really striking me uh, and striking me uh, very powerfully. For in the day of evil, he shall hide me in his sukkah. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. This has very great meaning to me. I have to tell you. It has something to do with where we are and what we're doing here. And so it's an extremely important thing. So we know this, that in seeking Yah and seeking, he said, David says, set forth your way before me, a plain path. Now, this coming Thursday, I'm going to be talking about this way. I'll be talking about this way and this plain path. And as we discuss this way and this plain path, there's something else that is going to have to come to the surface. We're not going to be able to ignore it much anymore. And, and I'm going to say it here today, and I know some of you are going to be upset, but I'm going to say it. This is this doctrine of flat earth. And this is a doctrine that is going to have to be addressed because we cannot uh, go into uh, the history of the great scholars of following that pathway. We cannot. When we talk about the great scholars, I'm talking one scholar in particular that comes to mind is E.W. Bullinger, uh, who, uh, you know, who wrote the Companion Bible. I don't know if you're familiar with that Bible or not. But uh, E.W. Bullinger was, of all the scholars in the past, I have two favorites, right? Coverdale, who did the Bible, which preceded the 1560 Geneva. He did the 1537 Coverdale. In fact, hang on just a second. I'll grab the, the Coverdale. So this is my copy of the Coverdale here. Coverdale Bible. It's as big as the Sephir Millennium. The Coverdale, again, you know, there's the Coverdale has, of course, all of the Apocrypha in it. And Coverdale was the one who he worked initially with Tyndale, and then he he took Tyndale's work, which was really a sloppy mess, frankly, and straightened it out. And he did a number of interpretive things that were really quite good, I think. And he included the Apocrypha. So the Coverdale Bible includes the Apocrypha. And then he went to work for John Calvin to help John Calvin finish the 1560 Geneva. And the 1560 Geneva was the dominant Bible in Britain at the time of King James. And King James said, well, we have to put our own premature uh, on the, on the, uh, on the scripture. And I want my name on it. And so they plagiarized the 1560 Geneva. I mean, about 92, 93% of the 1611 KJB is direct from the Geneva. 
and about 96 or 97% of the Geneva is direct from the Coverdale. And then later on, we, have, we would have a scholar in the 1800s named uh, E.W. Bullinger. And E.W. Bullinger created the Companion Bible. And E.W. Bullinger also wrote some other works, but uh, Bullinger's works are very, very astute. And he is quite the student of scripture. And so we can't even discuss these things if the majority of the conversation is going to be about flat earth, okay? We're not gonna be able to discuss some of the really central tenets to the way, because the way requires us, the way requires us to follow Genesis 1.14, which is that, uh, you know, the stars, the sun and the moon are given for signs and for seasons, and for days and for years. And if we don't, if we can't look at those to understand their meaning in the heavens and to recognize that the constellations, which are called the Matzorot in Ezekiel, have, they're there to give us signs. They're not there to give us astrological signs, you know, like, uh, uh, what are they, you know, like uh, Taurus and uh, Leo and these kinds of things. They're not there to give us this. They are there, though, for the signs in the heavens to mark what? Seasons, days, and years. And so in order to understand the way, the first thing we have to understand is the calendar. We cannot follow the simple path without following the simple calendar. And this is a Torah command. You know, this Torah was given in Genesis 1.14, and it said, you know, this path has got to be what? It is a path that is, you are to keep your days and your years predicated upon the sun, the moon, and the stars. That's a pretty straightforward command. And so in order for us to follow this way, it begins with this calendar. Now I can tell you when you, we who are here on a Shabbat meeting, we're here because this is our Sabbath. And so because this is our Sabbath, we are holding to the seventh day Sabbath. And the seventh day Sabbath was continuous. If you go back and you read about Noah before he got, before he got on the ark, while he was building the ark, they were keeping the seventh day Sabbath. They were keeping, they were counting the weeks. They were counting the days of the months. They were, they were keeping the biblical calendar. It's very clear that, that when, the, you know, when they talk about the first month, they're talking about Aviv. They're not talking about January. They're talking about this month of, in the spring called Aviv. And, and, you know, so you see Noah is, it's very clear that the seven day count had been existing before the flood and was continuous in the hands of Noah and his family through the flood and after. So as a consequence, this is, uh, this begins our pursuit of this rhythm of life because the way is marked by a rhythm of life. And it's marked by a rhythm of life. And then it's marked by a language of life. It's marked by a rhythm of life. And it's marked by a language of life. And so these things are part of what we are called to as a people. And I can tell you, when we become a discrete people, that is to say that we're no longer a Babylon, right? But we become a discrete people. This becomes very, very important for all of us to be a discrete people. We cannot be in our hearts in Babylon. 
Now, it doesn't mean, for instance, if you were a believer in, let's call it the second century, and you're living in, on the Italian peninsula, do you think you could have gone to Caesar and said, look, I'm, I'm re rejecting my Roman citizenship and I'm out of here, bye. You know, you can't do that, right? They, they just kill you right there or they crucify you or something. <clears throat> what? So, yeah, polyester. So instead what you have to do is, uh, is that you have to recognize that when we're under coercion, you know, Yah doesn't want you to kill yourself, right? He doesn't want you to kill yourself. But he does want you to come out of Babylon in your heart. And so we come out of Babylon as far as we can into the rhythm of life. We come into the way. We come to the path of the way. Now, with the way, and the reason I say that this calendar becomes important and the rhythm of life becomes important is because the initial commands that we get to love Yah with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then 1 John 5 tells us what? This is the love of Yah, keeping his commandments. This is the love of Yah, keeping his commandments. But John doesn't say keeping Moshe's commandments. He says keeping his commandments. Yahshua says what in Matthew 28? Go therefore and baptize all nations and teach them to obey all that I have commanded. Teach them to obey all that I have commanded. And in Jeremiah 7.21, it says, well, 7.22, it says, look, I did not command you to do these things when I brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim. Instead, I said, obey my voice, and I will be your Elohim, and you will be my people. The covenant given to Noah, the covenant given to Abraham, the covenant that was renewed in Mashiach, this covenant is what? I will be your Elohim. I, Yahweh, will be your Elohim. This is the first premise of that covenant. The first premise of the covenant between Yah and his people is I am Yahweh, I will be your Elohim. I am Yahweh, I will be your Elohim. And we can look at this and see this is a perpetual covenant. You know, when we talk about who is Yah, you know, the big question of the centuries, do you believe in God? You remember this when you were a kid, do you believe in God? You talk to your friends, and your friends would all have a view based on what their parents' view was. We don't believe in God because my mom and dad don't, right? Or we do believe in God because mom and dad do, right? But you would always have a view of what mom and dad had to say among your kid or friends. But nonetheless, the question was, do you believe in this Elohim, this one true, this one true Elohim? Do you believe in this one true Elohim? And this has been the question, and it's been before all of mankind now, since he presented himself to the patriarchs. Initially, he presented himself only to the chosen. But with the death of Yahusha, right, in John 14, 6, what does it say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Now, what does that mean? Now, we're taught in the Christian church, oh, well, this means that you have to give an altar call and do this confession of Jesus up here or you're not going to get to heaven. That's not what he's saying there at all. He is telling you that the doorway for mankind into heaven was closed. That door was closed. Boom. Just like it was for the watchers. It was closed. And then he opened it. When he, when he resurrected from the grave, he opened it. And he opened it for all mankind. Now, does that mean all mankind gets there? No. And this is what we're going to This is why we're going to read today the book of Jude. Okay. The book of Yehuda.
Now, before we do, a couple of things I want to point out, because the book of Jude is very interesting, because it has a couple of quotations in here in the book of Jude that are directly from the book of Hanok, right? He quotes Enoch. Now, in addition to that, he also quotes the ascension of the assumption of Moses or the apocalypse of Moses. Now you're asking yourself what he's going to quote the assumption of Moses. Yeah. He quotes the assumption of Moses and the writer in Hebrews quotes the ascension of Isaiah. Right. And even Paul quotes the book of Jasher. Paul quotes the book of Jasher and talking about Janus and Jambres. Right. So here you see, this is why the new Testament you know, if the New Testament were properly unpacked, which it never is in the Christian church because they want to manipulate you in order to get your wealth instead of actually teaching you the truth. And so it begins with, you know, I'm not going to go there. All I can tell you is that uh, my walk through the through Christianity, I'm thankful I walked through it because this was how I found Yahusha was by walking through the Christian faith. But I'm thankful I walked through it, that I came through the front door and walked out the back door and kept right on walking. Because to teach iniquity, to teach unrighteousness, to teach lying, to teach gossiping, to teach blasphemy, uh, to teach adultery, to teach idolatry, to teach covetousness, which is what they teach in the church, and to teach that you can just keep on moving and you're, you're good to go, is a great offense to the true faith. It's a great offense. And it is a great offense. And they misuse Paul and they rely on a corrupted text. They rely on a text that was based on the Codex Sinaiticus, which was a known fraud. Okay. But let's read Jude. Yahuda, the servant of Yahushua HaMashiach, the brother of Yaakov, that would be James in the English Bible. In the King James Bible, Yaakov would instantly become James. <laughs> Wonder how that happened. Okay the brother of Yaakov, and to them that are sanctified by Yahweh the Father and preserved in Yahushua HaMashiach and called. Now, this is grace that you were called. This is grace that you were called. Not a license to sin. Grace is Yah knocking on your door. Hey, it's me. Will you open? And when you open, you are called. Mercy unto you and peace and love, right? Chesed, shalom, the ahava, be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the belief which was once delivered unto the Kodeshim. So now he's, Jude is telling you, look, when I, I, I revealed this to you, the common salvation, but you have to earnestly defend it. You have to earnestly contend for it. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Wicked men turning the grace of Yah into lasciviousness. Now, what does this say? The, the grace of Yah, which is to call you in, to call you to his purpose, is turned instead into lasciviousness. Oh. That means you can go out there and sin, right? Well, Paul asked the question. He says, shall we sin that grace abound that much more? And Paul answers, never, no. Martin Luther answers, yes, sure, 
Sabati Tzvi answers, oh yeah, do it. You can't get more grace if you don't sin more. And here, Judah's telling us, these were wicked men that turned the grace of Yah into lasciviousness and denying the only Adonai Yahweh and our Adonai Yahusha HaMashiach. Very, very important stuff here. The way that Jude is laying it out. He's telling you about Yahweh the Father, is he not? I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that Yahweh, having saved the people out of the land of Mitzrayim, afterward destroyed them that believed not. Okay, I brought you out of Mitzrayim. Here's my gift. I'm going to take you out of bondage. I'm going to take you out of the land of slavery. We don't need you. Thanks, but shut up, would you? Okay, boom, condemnation. He destroyed them. And the angels, which did not guard their first estate, but left at their own habitation, he has reserved into everlasting chains under darkness and unto the judgment of the great day. Now, that is directly from the book of Hanok. And Judas telling you is making this point. The angels, which had it all, they shed their first estate, came down here into condemnation, and so he put them into everlasting chains until the judgment. What's Jude telling you here? There is a consequence. There is a consequence. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, there were six of them, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. And of course, you know, going after fornication was the chief error of Sodom and Gomorrah, but there were many others because that going after the fornication, which of course is not something that brings wrath, it is wrath. It is wrath. When it exists in your culture, it is because the wrath of Yah has fallen upon it. And the symptoms of that are going to be described here later on in this same text. You're going to see what happens when this giving over to fornication, going after strange flesh, what happens. Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. They defile the flesh, they despise dominion, and they speak evil of dignities. And this means they have no respect for anything. You know, they don't respect the hoary head. And that means gray hair for you, for you people that don't, you know, <laughs> they don't respect the hoary head. They despise dominion. There's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't have to tell, listen to anything. We just burn down this building. We can just riot in the street. We don't have to take any of this. We just do whatever we want. We, the dominion means nothing to us. And they speak e evil of dignities. Even the stuff that is dignified, they want to swear at, defile. They want to take a, a, out their, you know, spray paint can, vandalize it. Right. Yet Mikael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moshe, dared not bring against him a reigning accusation, but said, Yahweh, well, rebuke you. Okay, now where did this come from that Mikael, the archangel, disputed with the devil about the body of Moshe? Where's that in the Old Testament? Doesn't exist. That comes from the assumption of, of Moses, the apocalypse of Moses. By the way, we published that in the book uh, Bereshith uh, with, uh, you know, it's one of the separate scripts that we published uh, at Sefer Publishing Group. There's a book Bereshith and it has, that book has first Adam and Eve, second Adam and Eve. It's got the testimony of Moshe, the apocalypse of Moshe, the apocalypse of Abraham, 
the testimony of the 12 patriarchs. In other words, it's all books that accompanied that period, that time period uh, around the writing of Moshe. And so here you have Jude quoting from that book, right? Quoting from the Assumption of Moshe. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. In other words, they're condemning. Like how many people have you heard condemn scripture and they haven't read a word of it? Oh, you stupid people who believe that stuff. And they haven't read a word of it. They've never analyzed it. They've never looked at it. They've never done anything. They just speak evil of it, right? But what they know naturally as brute beasts in those things, they corrupt themselves. And so everything to them becomes a four-letter word, right? Everything to them becomes a four-letter word. And this is the crudeness of their life, that everything that they see can be explained and expressed and identified using a four-letter word. Okay, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and read greedily. Okay, gone in the way of Cain. Now, the question is, which Cain, right? Because there was a Cain, there is, of course, Cain, Cain and Abel, uh, who, you know, committed murder and then had to run from that murder the rest of his life. But there's another Cain. There's the Cain that's identified in Luke 3 in the genealogy, who was the son of Shelach, who did what? He found the writing of the watchers and sinned owing to it. As it says, in only one place, Jubilees 8. Jubilees 8, right? Okay. Or ran greedily after the heir of Bilam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korach. So in other words, it's all the same thing. It is this rising up of, you know, calling yourself God or calling yourself an absolute authority, calling yourself the powerful one and going after your own agenda. And all three of them perished after, after their own gainsaying. Then Jude says, these are spots in your feasts of love when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. So in other words, when you're in the community, of believers, you're you're you know you're in the feasts of love. You're in fellowship of love between in the in the community, and in that community, when these people show up, they are spots. They're spots on your garment. They are defiling your garment. They're a stain, right? These are spots in your feast of love when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Oh yeah, too bad you guys don't like it. We're here. Sorry. Clouds they are without water. What does that mean? Carried about by the winds, trees whose fruit withers without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Now, I could get into a, a, a lot more detail about that. But when you talk about a same-sex relationship, they're twice dead. There is no fruit. There is no fruit. And they are plucked up by the roots. Their root ends. Their seed. When he's talking about their, they're plucked up by the roots, let me show you what I mean. When you talk about the word generation in scripture, we think, oh, generation, that means, you know, you've had, I'm sure you've heard the debate. Well, is a generation 40 years or is it 70 years or is it 120 years? It's none of those. It's none of those because that's not what's being talking about. It's talking about the generation of the seed. And what that means is like if you plant a tree, you've got a tree. You could call uh, this year's leaves this generation, and you could call next year's leaves that generation. But the generation that's being discussed in scripture is the ability of that tree to produce leaves year after year after year. 
And so the leaves fall and then next year the leaves come back. And if you were only here for one year, you'd look at that tree and say that tree's dead, but it's not dead because it's generation continues. It's the same thing with Adam. Death came into the world, death came to Adam, but did not come to the seed of Adam. That's why we're here talking. And, and when you look at Jubilees and, or even Genesis, you have this discussion. It says, I called the seed of Yaakov my firstborn son. It's the seed of Yaakov that is the firstborn son. It is the generation of Yaakov that is the firstborn son. It is that generation of Yasharel that is the firstborn son. You see the generation. And what he's saying here is, look, your generation ends. You're plucked up by the roots because your tree ends in your same-sex relationship. It ends. That's the end of your tree. There is no fruit. The fruit is withered. It's dried up. And you're twice dead. Why are you twice dead? Well, you're dead here in the flesh. You're dead also in the soul. Okay? So, I mean, so Jude is laying it out here, and he's making it. He's, I, I can't say he's making it very clear. Most people do not want this ever preached in a church. They won't allow it to be preached in a church. People will go nuts to kick the pastor right out of the church. But you have something that's being said here that is so true. And we don't want to recognize it. We don't want to recognize the fact that Yah calls us to you know, go forth and multiply, right? And to and to prosper and to, and you know. I, I think of the families I know that love Jan, they're, they're moving along and, you know, and then you see their, the pictures of their family reunion and there's like 15 grandchildren, you know, or 22 grandchildren or something. I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Why is it a beautiful thing? Because even though the world tells us that mankind is a virus that needs to be wiped out, that's what the psychopaths, Satanists are telling us. And they're trying to kill all of us right now. All of us. They're trying to kill all of us. That's not what Yah says at all. It's not what Yah says. Let Yah be the guide here. Let Yah be the decider of who's going to live. Let Yah be the decider of when there are too many people on earth. When Yah wants to stop a population, he stops it. If you go into Europe right now, you'll see that Yah is stopping the population of Europe. But where are the Germans? I don't know. They have a birth rate that's like 1.0. You need 2.3 to continue. They have a birth rate of 1.0. France, it's 1.0. Britain, it's 1.0. When you get to Russia, it's 0.7. It's 0.6. You know, you have the population in Russia is plummeting, absolutely plummeting. They lost 8 million people in the last three years, right? 8 million people. They're down to uh, less than 120 million people in the largest landmass on earth. Why? Because Yah has judged. Yah says, oh, you, you know, you people are, you're, you're just not going to have any kids anymore. You know, the men aren't going to have a sperm count sufficient enough to give birth. The women aren't going to be able to give birth. He just ends it. That's it. You're done. You've had too many people. He does it with moose. He does it with deer. He does it with wolves. He does it with every land, every other form of species on earth. He can control their population year by year. But men think that we're, we have to control our population because we're so smart. Let Yah do it. Anyway, verse 13, raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. You know, Pride Month, right? Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame in Pride Month. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now, I have to tell you, when you read those words, you know, I want you to think what it would be like to say, okay, 
I've died. Now, what's the situation here? Am I going to hell to the fiery flames? Am I going to heaven to see God? Am I going to wander the face of the earth until I face judgment and then be cast into the lake of fire? What's my, what's my fate here? And Yah says, your fate is to be singularly in orbit around the planet Pluto eternally by yourself. That's outer darkness. And here Jude is saying, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Hanok, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these things. Now here Jude is going to quote directly from the book of Enoch. So when you have people out there, and there's all these guys that are out there doing these videos. Oh, Enoch's a false book. Oh, Enoch's a fairy tale. Oh, Enoch's this. Enoch's, okay. Well, while you're cutting out Enoch, don't forget to cut Jude out of your text. Don't forget to cut Paul out of your text. Don't forget to cut Peter out. When Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 that a woman should cover her head because of the angels, what is he talking about? He's saying that it was the hair of a woman that tempted the angels. Why? Where did he get that idea? Book of Enoch. Second Peter talks about the condemnation of the angels who fell. Where did he get that? Book of Enoch. And here you have Jude quoting the book of Enoch outright. Behold, Yahweh comes with 10,000s of his kodeshim to execute judgment upon all and to convict, convince all that are wicked among them of all their wicked deeds, which they have wickedly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which wicked sinners have spoken against him. Now, that's directly from Enoch, chapter 2, verse 1. So you see, when you have somebody like Jude saying, this is scripture, he's quoting from it, it's scripture, right? Then who is mankind to come in and say, well, I've decided. Well, were you an apostle of Yahusha? No, but I made the decision anyway. Were you ordained directly by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in the first century? Uh, no, but I put on my pants both legs at a time. I'm superior to you. Therefore, I've decided what you can read and what you can't read. Well, thank you. Thank you for your opinion. Okay, then what does Jude say about these people? These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. See, they don't believe in Yah at all. They believe in it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's who you know, and they want to live their life by who they know, right? Great admiration, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Now, Judah's going to tell us, he's going to admonish us here, and he's going to say, but beloved, remember ye the words of which were spoken before of the apostles of our Adonai Yahushua HaMashiach, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, are there mockers today? Nothing but, huh? Nothing but mockers. Now, there should be mockers in the last day who should walk after their own wickedly lusts. And I mean, I have to tell you, when you see some of these parades, I mean, first of all, you know, when I was a kid, people in those parades would have gone right to jail. I mean, you know, you show up naked on the street, you're going to jail. You do some of the things they do in those parades, you're going right to jail. You'd have been right in jail. Now, oh, no. Let's take the kids down to watch, right? 
and they walk after their own wickedly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the ruach. Now, this is what is kind of critical in this particular discussion. That we as believers have to seek the ruach. Okay? We as believers, we have to seek the ruach. And, you know, I've mentioned this and I'm going to mention it to you again. And particularly in the in the community of Torah studiers and scripture studiers, it's easy for us to get into a situation where we want to talk about how many angels are on the head of a pen and then you know sit up all night over a cup of coffee doing it. But the fact is we're called, we're called to seek after the Ruach. Now, the Ruach is kind of incredible. There was I was watching a guy the other night who was talking, he said. His ministry came to an end. The minute he doubted the Ruach, he could feel the Ruach leaving it. Well, that's not always the case because the Ruach does what the Ruach wants to do. And importantly, it is important for us to be empowered with the Ruach, for the Ruach to be in us and to be, for the Ruach to be doing its work within us because this is life. This is life and this is life abundantly. Because the Ruach is going to take, when, when the Ruach perfectly dwells within you, does the Ruach have disease? No. Does, does the Ruach have bad joints? No. Does the Ruach have bad ideas? No. So when the Ruach is dwelling inside of you, it is a healing power. And it is a power of boldness. And the more of the Ruach that is indwelling within you, the more bold you become. So what did Yah say to the disciples after the crucifixion, after his resurrection? He said, look, guys, I'm going away. But I'm going to send the counselor, the Ruach Etza. I'm going to send the Ruach Etza to you who will counsel you in all truth. Now, when this, don't go, don't do anything yet. You guys were so wimpy, you wouldn't even show up at the cross. You ran away in the garden. You didn't show up at the cross. You all claimed you were tough guys. And then there's Peter. Uh, hey, you know him? No, I don't know. I've never heard of that guy's name before. Don't even bother me with a question, right? And then what happens? So here it is. Now he's telling them, you guys are just too wimpy. Don't do a thing. Just go over there to the upper room and wait. And wait. Okay. All right. We'll do it. Okay. We can do it. And so they went to the upper room, counted the Omer, they counted the Omer, and they waited. And what happens? The Ruach comes upon them like tongues of fire, not as tongues of fire, but like tongues of fire. The Ruach came upon them, and what happened? They were completely emboldened. Then, he says, you wait until the Ruach comes upon you, then you go to Samaria, then you go to the ends of the earth and preach the, the Bessorah, right? Then you do it. And so with this, with this in incoming of the Ruach HaKodesh, which there was nobody laying hands on anybody, there was nobody praying in tongues, there was nothing to that. The Ruach came because the Ruach came. Now my presence is here. Boom. So when we seek after the Ruach, we don't seek after the Ruach to become somebody who babbles in tongues. And I'm not trying to diminish speaking in tongues or praying in tongues. Okay, I'm not. But Paul says it correctly. You know, you pray in tongues in your own closet. 
Dr. P, someone's got their mic open and it's interacting with your uh, conversation. So can you tell them to close it, their microphones off if it's open, if they've just come in? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, let me see if I can find that, if I can find that microphone. If if you're unmuted, please mute. I'll take a look here and see if I can find it. But yeah, so we'll, so anyway, when we talk about this business of letting the Ruach, uh, letting the Ruach come upon you, let the Ruach come upon you. Okay, uh, Joe, I think it's you. Joe Lahote, I think you need to mute there. If you would. Okay, so let's go back. So anyway, when we, when we, when we talk about this, this business of the Ruach, letting the Ruach, seek ye the Ruach HaKodesh, right? But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy belief, praying in the Ruach HaKodesh. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit, right? And keep yourselves in the love of Yahweh. Looking for the mercy of our Adonai, Yahusha HaMashiach, unto eternal life. And of some have compassion. In other words, when you meet some of these people who are hanging out at the, at, at the gay pride parade, that are running the rainbow flag up, that are doing this and the other thing, on some of these people, you have to have compassion. Have compassion and make a difference in their life, right? And others who maybe you don't have compassion for, save with fear. Pull them out of the fire. Reach down just like this, right by the nape of the neck. You're out of here. Pull them right out. Come out of the fire, right? Pull them out of the fire, hating even the garment. That is the stained garment that they carry. No, that has to go. Even your garment has to go. It's stained. The garment has to go. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yah, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. So with this being the case, the idea here is not to teach you to go out there to the gay pride parade and pull people off the float. <laughs> That's not what I'm telling you. What I am telling you is this, is that seek ye the Ruach HaKodesh and pray in the Ruach HaKodesh. Because when you seek the Ruach, you will find him when you seek him with all of your heart. And when you pray for the Ruach, you say, you know, Father, I want the blessings of the Ruach and I want the indwelling of the Ruach in my life. I want the Ruach in my soul. I want this indwelling of the Ruach in my life. Why wouldn't you want that? In comes the healing spirit. I mean, I can tell you, I've had the Ruach heal me from head to toe, from head to toe. I mean, I've been in prayer, you know, I'd be in prayer for three or four hours and the Ruach will come in and say, okay, now I'm going to heal you from the tip of your toes to the top of your head. And the Ruach would just come through my body. And just Now it doesn't mean that, you know, I didn't do things like eat GMO food after that, right? you know, have a McDonald's quarter pounder and, you know, wreck your day. Right. Uh, but nonetheless, the Ruach came through and healed me to the point that there was a point when I had a blood test when I was, um, I was 58, maybe. And the insurance company, my insurance company says, well, we need to test your blood. We don't, we think you're lying. You know, your medical record is, doesn't have anything. We think you're lying. I said, well, come on out. So they came out with all their machinery and everything else, you know. And anyway, they tested me. And, and when they were done testing my blood, they came back and went, okay, well, we're giving you the highest rating now because your blood is like unbelievable. Well, it wasn't anything I did for my blood. I wasn't like some supplement I was taking, you know, 
It was what the Ruach did in my blood because the Ruach put the blood of Mashiach in my blood. That's what the Ruach did. Now, I can tell you, does that mean I'm going to live forever? No. I mean, man, but it does make a difference when I die. If I die tomorrow morning or next week, though he may yet slay me, still I will praise Yahweh. And we opened the today's session with what? Thanksgiving. We opened today's session with Thanksgiving because we give thanks because we are not mockers. We're not mockers of the things that Yahweh has done in our life. We are not mockers of his gifts. We are not mockers of his teaching. We're not mockers of his word. We're not mockers of his name. We're not mockers of his name. And those who want to speak uh, wickedly against the name and to make comments and to say things that are, that are condemning of the name. I'll tell you, it's one thing to say we've got a dispute about whether it's Yeshua, Yahshua, Joshua, Yahusha, Jesus. You know, that's one thing. And that is something that, you know, uh, the heart will tell. But when you talk about Yahweh, that's another thing altogether. And of those, and there, believe me, there are many who have just, you know, they just war against that name. They war against it. But we talked it again, uh, talked about it again last night, that when the name Yahweh was revealed, guess what was found? The 10 tribes of Israel, just like that. As soon as the name was revealed, the 10 tribes were revealed because they were all worshiping that name. Just like that, we, we found them, you know. So this is something that we have to consider. And so in your life, I'm just going to recommend this again to you today, that when we talk about what's coming on in the world, we can be extremely empowered with boldness in the Ruach HaKodesh. And, I mean, when you're standing there and somebody is knocking at your door and they're saying to you, we came here to determine whether or not you're vaccinated and to encourage you to get the vax, right? I mean, I just want to look at them and say, well, I am a child of the most high Yahweh Elohai. And you're not speaking to me. You're speaking to a whole cloud of witnesses, hosts in heaven who have known your name since the foundation of the earth. It was Yahweh who knit you together in your mother's womb. And you are spitting in his face right now. Now you can sit here and tell me you're just taking orders. You go ahead, use the Nuremberg Nazi defense. You're just taking orders. If you want to use that defense, fine. But you're going to have to ask yourself the question. When you leave this life, which you might think it might be years from now, but it might be minutes from now, you don't know. You're going to have to ask yourself the question, am I going to be wandering in the outer darkness for eternity? Am I going to be wandering the face of the earth, not resting in peace, but wandering with an ever-diminishing consciousness until I'm just a poltergeist stuck in somebody's closet waiting judgment? Or am I going to be among the demons licking up the flames of hell? These are questions you have to ask yourself. And you might say to yourself, well, I don't believe in any of that. It makes no difference what you believe. Because you're ignorant doesn't mean that your future doesn't have this before it. And so you have to ask yourself, before you ask me whether or not I have accepted the mark of the beast, whether or not I'm willing to accept the mark of the beast, 
whether or not I'm willing to be pierced for your iniquities, whether or not I'm willing to accept a poison that you don't know about, you haven't defined, you haven't researched, you're completely ignorant. But since you're here on my front porch, let's take the time to explore this. Do you know what's in the vaccine? Do you know how many actual deaths there were from COVID? Do you know how many people have died from the vaccine, actually? The number in the United States now is probably closing in on a million people. Yeah, the VAERS website only reports two to 6% of the actual numbers. Because for instance, let me give you an example. Suppose that you have diabetes, or suppose you have a heart condition, and you go in and you take the vaccine, eight days later, you're dead from a blood clot in your heart. How many of those doctors are going to report that as a vax-caused death? 90% of them will not do it. And so what do you get? You have only the voluntary who are willing to report to the VAERS. And the voluntary numbers being reported to VAERS, which is about 2 to 6% of the actual numbers, is over 9,000 people in the United States right now. It's over 9,000 people. That's up 3,000 from last week. Okay, now with these 9,000 people, that's only two to 6%, but conservatively, let's say it's 10%. It's 10% of the actual number. If it's 10% of the actual number, there's 900,000 dead in the United States from the VAX. And there's over 4 million injured. Now we're starting to close in on something that you would have to call a genocide. You can't call it anything else. It's genocide. And so when you look to these guys, when I look at these guys coming at the front porch, I'm going to say, well, okay, you realize that the CDC has admitted of all the number of deaths that they have claimed are COVID, only 6% died from COVID, right? Only 6% died from COVID. So in the year 2020, there were only 7,900 deaths from COVID, not hundreds of thousands that CNN is reporting, less than 8,000 right? 6%. The Delta variant that everybody's complaining about. The other word for the Delta variant is what? Common cold. What they're not telling you is the reason they're identifying the Delta variant is because the people with the vaccine that have been vaxxed are dying from it. Israel has already reported 80% of the people that have died from this new strain have been vaccinated. Same thing in Britain. 80% of the people dying from the new strain are those who have been vaccinated. Why? Because they have no immune system left because it was killed with the first vax. So these are the facts. So you want to encourage me to get the vax? And I'm telling you, you can encourage me to get the vax because you want me to aspire to your view of science. You want me to agree that your view of science is correct. And you want me to worship your God, the serpent, the fangs of the serpent that you hold in your hand. And the fangs of the serpent are going to deliver nothing but the fires of hell. Why are you sitting here worshiping that serpent when Yah, the one who put breath in your nostrils, is standing right here at the door waiting for you to see him? They come to my door. We're going to have a long discussion. Well, can't you just please just take the vax? Well, can't you just please get out of the clutches of the serpent? Oh, I don't have any choice. Yeah, you do. You could quit. You could quit. There's a gal in our fellowship last night. 
And her boss, they, they came out with a memo, June 15th, there's a memo that's breaking. The June, no, July 15th, the memo is breaking. That you either get the vax or you're no longer employed here. And you have 90 days to get the vax. And then after that, you'll get a three-day warning and then you're no longer employed. And she saw it and just said, fine, I'm not working here anymore. That's it. I'm not working here anymore. And, you know, in the current socialist environment in which we live, employers are desperate for good employees. Why are they desperate for good employees? Because they can't get anybody because everybody's sitting back collecting a check. Why would I go to work if I can collect a check? So they do. So here you have it. So people who, when you have an employer that comes in and they don't care about your expertise, are you a valued employee? Yeah, you're the only one that knows how to do your job and you've been doing it for 25 years and it would take five years to train up somebody to take your post. We don't care about any of that. Are you vaxxed or not? Why is that the only thing that's on your mind? Because you're myopically brainwashed by the beast and you're, and you're worshiping at the foot of the serpent, period. That's it. And so they're going to lose their most valued employees who just go walk off. Bye. See ya. Hope you find somebody. Don't care if you do. They estimate that where this gal works, they're going to lose 30% of their employees are just going to walk. See ya. Then what are they going to do? They don't care. They don't care that they've destroyed their own. You know, these, these socialists don't care that they've destroyed their own economies. They've destroyed their own states. They betrayed their children. They betrayed their grandchildren. They betrayed their spouses. They betrayed their parents. They betrayed their name. They betrayed their friends. They betrayed their social order. They betrayed everything on behalf of what? Bill Gates' agenda to kill everybody? The Rockefeller Foundation's agenda to kill everybody? The Rothschild family's idea that they need to be the only ones on earth? The ideas of Henry Kissinger and Maury Strong and and Mikhail Gorbachev to depopulate all of Africa and to depopulate all of North and South America, right? For this idea, do you guys even know what you're worshiping? They have no idea. All my friends are doing it, therefore I'm doing it. The lemmings are running and I'm with them. And that's where they are. Okay, so with that, let's go to some questions. So thank you, brothers and sisters, for tolerating my speaking for a while. Okay, Bethany, how are you doing? You got first in line here. What's going on? Have you got audio going today? I hope so. Can you I hear me? Hear you. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, oh good. Oh, good. Okay. Um, I just wanted to ask you, is today the um, Rosh Kodesh off? Mm -hmm. It is. Yes, Rosh. Okay. Rosh Kodesh. Rosh, Rosh Kodesh. Yeah. yeah. It's because it's very important to me. That's why I asked. Today's yeah. the day I was born. That's why. Oh, is that right? Well, you yeah. probably weren't born. Well, you might have been born on Rosh Chodesh. You got to go back and look at the year, right? And it's very interesting, though, because the, you know, the natural calendar is such a wonderful thing. You should be able to just go outside and look at the moon and say, oh, look, it's the seventh day of the month. Or, oh, look, it's the 15th day of the month. Oh, look, it's the third day of the month. And you should know the difference between waxing and waning. When you look at the moon, you should be able to see it and you okay. should be able to know. And then the question is, can you know the first month from the from the seventh month, from the last month, et cetera? You can. It's easy to keep track of, of this. And once you have it in your mind, then you can look at the moon calendar. You can look at the moon and see where you are in the month. And you can determine what month you are by just kind of keeping track of a six-month sequence. 
by doing that, now you, you know, this is the command that's given in the Ten Commandments. Guard my Shabbatot, right? Guard my Sabbath. Well, his Sabbath is not just the seventh day. It's yes, also the seventh that. year. It's also the 50th year. I do that. It's also the feast days, right? The first, yes. the first day of Matzah, the last day of Matzah, Bikur, Shavuot, Yom Teruah, Yom Kippur, the first day of Tabernacles, the last day of Tabernacles. Those are all high Sabbaths. They're yes. all what they call Chags, right? So you I say Chag, Chag Sameach. Well, not all of them, yes. but, but three of them are Chag Sameach. So when you say Chag, so Chag Sameach and these other feasts, these are Sabbaths. And we're, we're required to keep them. And so this fourth commandment, which is never taught in the church, right? Why do, they, why do they avoid the fourth commandment? We're not going to teach that. I mean, you go into any Christian church, none of them will teach it. Or they'll teach it and they'll say, okay, I'm going to teach it and let it go in this year and out that year. Don't ever practice it. We'll just teach it. Why do they do it? Because they're in obeisance to Rome, right? Which in German, the Roman Empire is called the Reich. And under Charlemagne, it was called the Holy Roman Empire, but the Germans referred to it as the Second Reich. And then Adolf Hitler gave us the Third Reich. And the United States competed with Germany in World War II to see who would become the warring army for the Roman Empire. We won the war and we became the warring, the warring uh, military for Rome. That's why we have a Roman obelisk in the middle of Washington, D.C., and a cupola on top of our Capitol building because we are the army of the Third Reich. And if you don't think we're not a fascist Nazi organization, just look what's going on in the country. We now have yeah. the Gestapo with us, right? Okay, so I have one question on um, Bemidbar 10. Um, it's, let me go straight to verse 35. Um, of what book? Uh, Bemidbar numbers. Oh, no, but, oh, the Midbar. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, Midbar 10. 10, 10 uh, yeah, verse 35 to 36. Um, you have two noons, downward noons. I'd like you to explain that, please, because I heard from another preacher that it relates to what's coming to us, you know, in the end of times. Well, that's, yeah, that's one relationship. I'll tell you what the two noons mark. Okay. The two noons mark the very center of the Torah. Okay. This is the very, if you counted up all the letters from the beginning of Genesis through the end of Deuteronomy, this is the very center. Okay. And so you could say, okay, and then some teachers might teach that everything that precedes these is, is what happened and everything that follows these is what is to come or that these control the past, and then from this point forward, this will control the future. It's one view, but it's traditionally marked with two noons, one facing one way and one facing the other as the halfway point, okay? Okay, that's what I wanted to know because I was reading that. Yeah, there's a lot of things in the Sefer that we haven't disclosed. Like for instance, uh, in the third edition Sefer, we have all of the prayers uh, in scripture are indented. So if you're looking through the Sefer and you want to find a prayer, you want to pray someday and you want to find a prayer, you can just flip through the pages and then you can see an indentation of the prayer of David or the prayer of Baruch or the prayer of Ezra or the prayer of Manasseh or the prayer of Azariah or whoever's prayer you might find, the prayer of Jabez, right? Yabez. Okay. 
Uh, but you, you, you can find these prayers by just glancing through the pages and seeing the indentation, the indented script. Now, when you get into the New Testament, we also have all of the Old Testament passages that are quoted indented. And then we have marks like this. We have the, the noons, which mark half the halfway point in the Torah. We also have the Aleph Bait set forth in Psalm 35, Psalm 119, Psalm 145, and then a whole series of Aleph Bait set forth in, in Kohelet or Ecclesiastes, because the book is actually seven groupings of 22 letters, right? And when you read the first six chapters, every verse begins with Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, and it goes right down the, the Aleph Beit uh, as to how it's outlined. Now in the last chapter, it's different. But, uh, and then of course, when you look at Ecclesiastes, it looks like it's five chapters, one, two, three, four, five, but three actually includes three chapters. Okay. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And, and in that, in the center chapters, you have Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet. Then you have Aleph, Aleph, Beit, Beit, Gimel, Gimel, Dalet, Dalet. And so it goes. And so there's a reason why these scriptures are set forth this way. It's a very important point because, the, uh, you know, there is something to the 22 letters of the Ivory alphabet, like the 22 strands of DNA. This becomes extremely important that we understand that, you know, when you when you read the book of Jubilees, Jubilees tells you there were 22 patriarchs from Adam to Yaakov. There were 22 kinds of work that were there too. And so with these 22 patriarchs, now you see why Yasharel would become the first, the seed of Yasharel would become the firstborn son, because you have this history of the 22 patriarchs which establishes everything. Then the work of Yah begins with the seed of Yaakov, his firstborn son. And this seed of Yaakov would eventually have a king sitting upon the throne eternally uh, from, the, from the house of Judah, who would have the scepter in his hand, the lawgiver between his feet, and who would sit on the throne eternally. But in, the, in first Kings, when Elijah is confronting the priest of Baal, he says, he takes 12 stones and he says, these 12 stones represent the sons of Yasharel. These 12 stones represent the son of Yasharel, and he shall be called, these, these tribes shall be called Yasharel. Now, in our text, we use the word Yasharel, not Yisrael or Israel. We use Yasharel. And the reason being is because Yod Shinresh, standing by its own, is Yashar, or the book of Jasher, right? Yashar. And it means straight, yashar. And so if you have yod shin resh, yashar, and then you have yod shin resh, aleph lamed, el, if you put a hyphen there, it's very clear, yashar, el, yashar, el. To reconstruct it with a Masoretic vowel sound construction, to say, oh, we're going to put a shva on the yod, and we're going to put a, uh, you'll put a uh, chametz under the shin, so forth. And then we're going to put the dot on the shin at the far end instead of in the front. See, yashar, when you look at the shin, the shin is, you know, boom, and it has a dot at the beginning above the above the shin on top. It means shut. If the dot's on the other side, it means sa. Oh. Right? So you see yashar, yod, shin, resh, yashar, no question. But when you see Israel, they change it. They move the dot. Oh, let's move the dot from here to here. Why? Because if the dot was there and then you pronounce this yod, ye, you would have ish, ra'el. 
Israel would mean the evil man in hell. Israel, the evil man in hell. That's not what it says at all. It says Yashar, Yashar El, the straight in Yah, the straight in Yah. You see? Okay. Okay, so I've disclosed some of the secrets to you about the Sefer that are otherwise okay. not disclosed anywhere in print. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you. Josh, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Thank you, Dr. B. Good to hear from you. Thank you. Uh, so this is a question for you, but also for the, the folks on the call. So I've been thinking about, you know, all the all the things that have been happening and all the all the challenges, you know, Kobe and his dad and, you know, each of us have someone that has taken the vaccine. Amen. With each passing week, some new horror comes out in it. You know, if, if the last 10 items from last week didn't kill you, the next 10 certainly will. And Luke Montier, you know, the head of the, the HIV and AIDS came out and said, you know, the time for the folks that take the vax is very short. You know, it's 100%. If not others, thousands have come out. So thing, things look pretty grim. Also, for anybody that doesn't take the vax, as you just articulated, don't look too great either. However, has anyone considered that we may have just walked into the headlands of the harvest. They said that the US just crossed over 50% vaccinations. The world has crossed over 2 billion vaccinations. If you change the way that you're looking at this, is this actually the harvest field that the Lord has put together? And that there, I don't see anything that would be more impassioned for the folks that are on this call, for your, for your father, your son, um, sister, brother, you name it, that you would want to evangelize. I was considering thinking about it for some of the folks in my family. As you look at the scriptures and the time is short, why is that? Maybe because they're going to pass. And maybe it's not apparent now, but in a couple weeks or a couple months, when you see that three of your friends have you know, passed away from the vaccine, it may change your perspective. You may be much more receptive just like when Jesus was on the cross and you look one side, there's this criminal, one side, the, there's the other. Has anybody looked at the scriptures and considered this may be the bountiful harvest? And if this is not, what would be? You know, there's 2 billion people in climbing. Has anyone thought about that? So that's my, you know, question. that's really a good point, Josh. And thank you for raising, you know, um, it's one of the things I love about this group is the perspectives that come in. That's really a good point. And, when, you know, when we think about this, this is what happened to Jessica two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we were talking about the gathering. You know, she finally came to understand, oh, wow, this is really what's happening. And that, you know, there's a very interesting passage in 4th Ezra 16 where he says, you know, if people who discuss the rapture, he says it's not the people who are uh, uh, removed from the earth that are blessed. It's the people who remain on the earth that are blessed. The ones taken away are in fact the tares. And, you know, and I think you may be right, Josh, you may be very right that this is a harvest um, and that this harvest is coming. And that, uh, you know, I mean, what does it say in Revelation? Put your sickle in the earth. Remember what it says? 
he tells the angel, put your sickle in the earth for the harvest time is here. And so and we know that when, when, uh, when scripture is talked about and Jesus talks about it, when Yahushua talks about it, he says what? He says, well, look, we found out that Satan put tares in the field. They, somebody's planted tares in the field. Should we go pull them out? No, do not pull them out. Wait until the time of the harvest. Then the tares will be separated from the wheat and the tares will be gathered up, put into bundles and put into the fire. Remember? Remember him saying Absolutely. that? Yeah. And so, so here we see that this is what's happening. And this is happening very, very quickly. And now, I mean, I, I got to tell you, everybody I talk to now, people are like, can you believe we're in this time? Can you believe yeah. we're here? You know? Oh, yeah. Can you believe that this is, that we have arrived at this point? And, you know, and, and I can tell you that that is, oh, this is what has happened to us is that we, we've, we've arrived. We've gotten here. And so now when we look at this, you know, something I didn't give thanks for today, but I should have given thanks for it in our prayer this morning, is that we should give thanks that we were called into this, that we have been called, right? Jude said it in here. He says, you know, Yahweh, right? And Yahusha, and we were called, and we were called. And so here we are called and we're thinking, okay, how do I walk through this life now? And... Uh, avoid this fax, right? For us, that's the question. How am I going to get through this next period of avoiding this fax when they're going to want to, they may threaten to kill me, they may threaten to take everything I have, they may threaten this, they may threaten the other thing. And I'm going to have to be willing to say, well, okay, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do is what you're going to do. But I am not go willingly going after the mark of the beast because it is here, it is upon us. And, you know, and I want you to think about, you think if, if we actually come through this period and Yah says, okay, I'm going to leave you with us. I'm going to leave you alive through this. We, uh, when we walk through this period, what's the world going to look like when half of the people living right now are gone? When half are gone, every other person that we know is no longer here. I mean, you're going to walk through the cities of America with, you know, there's going to be ghost towns all over the place. There are going to be towns with where you walk through the streets and, you know, this house is empty, that house is empty, this place is empty, that building is empty. They haven't had a business in that building in 20 years. You know, there hasn't been, you know, you're going to see this kind of, it's just like what? And the streets are going to be vacant. And, you're, and, and the elementary schools are going to be, you know, they're going to be looking at schools that are just going to be boarded up. There won't be anybody there. And what do you say? What, what can you say? If you go back to the bubonic plague, you know, when the bubonic plague hit Europe, it took out 14 million people. It took them over a century to recover that number of people, over a century to recover the number of people that died in the bubonic plague, right? Now, that was Yaz Cullen. And I'm not saying that this isn't Yah's calling because none of these works of Satan that are going on in the world on the on the world are outside the knowledge and the scope of Yah's will. None of it. None of it. And he's warned us, you know, you guys want to become Babylon, you know, when you say peace and safety, sudden destruction will come upon you. When when you have done these things, when you have turned against my word, this I think sudden destruction comes. Thank you, Josh. Thank you for that word. Thank, Thank you. you. Chris, go ahead. 
Hi, Doc. Uh, blessings Thanks, to all. Um, we were also, you know, I, I, I just want to thank you very much for this occasion. And I also really just want to thank you so much for your teaching and um, what you've done. Because I think without this, uh, without you, your, without what you have done, um, well, I would have been lost, really, because not really lost, but but uh, men, I tell you, you've you've taken ten years off my studying time. Oh uh, wow! Maybe maybe even more. You know what I mean? So I think but I've got to tell you, Chris, it, it isn't me. Listen, it is the rock. It yeah. is the rock in me, and, and the rock is the one who compelled me to do it. I was I was just a dummy sitting around going, uh, you know, then the wind comes up, goes boom, you're doing this, hit the road, right? Well, Doc, I don't know. You know, you say you're a dummy, then um, I don't know about me. <laughs> you know, uh, anyway, listen, that's not the point. The point what I'm trying to say is, um, you know, even the Torah portions that uh, Sefer, uh, uh, you've added the other other lots, of you, the, 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 the half Torah and the, and the Brit Hadashah. Yes. Now, I mean, those things bless us weekly. And I, I just, I just, I just, um, I know that not everybody can gather together, and I think that's really uh, um, a blessing now that we can at least gather here for some. Yeah. But um, we sit here and we talk about these things, and today it took us from, well, I mean, it's night here now, but it took us from 11 to 3 to get through the Torah reading. Because we went back and forth in scripture and, you know, you just cannot help it because people are adding just as Josh said, you know, you've got these ideas and thoughts and we're going back to Hebrews today, you know, with, uh, with the Deuteronomy scriptures. And um, I just, uh, you know, a, a, a great thing that happened actually today was um, uh, in, in, in uh, Deuteronomy, Deborim 10, 16, it says circumcise, therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. And we, we went, yeah. And then we went to Hebrews just because we were reading different things. And my wife says, "Well, look at this. Ten sixteen says exactly the same of of Hebrews says. This is the covenant that I will cut with them after those days, says Yahweh. I will put my Torah into their hearts and in their minds. I will write it. And seventeen says, and their sins." And the wicked deeds, I will remember no more. And like, wow, you know, it's exactly the same thing. You know, uh, 10, 16. Anyway, so, you know, things like that come out. And, and, you know, it's just such a blessing to be gathered together. And I pray for those that don't have that opportunity, you know. And even today, it was uh, my wife's birth, uh, my wife's mother's birthday. And these people are so scared because they, as you put it, they 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 into the the false media, and uh, it's so sad because they don't want to gather, they don't want to love, they actually want to. Uh, hate might be a strong word, but the point is, you can see how it's going. The progression of the people, you can see, is turning. It's turning from love. It's turning to hate. It's turning yeah, the to. Are I don't, cold. Yes. 
I don't want to be near you. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to hug you. I don't want to. I don't want to kiss you on the cheek. I don't want to see you. Um, and and you know things like you know oh you got a cold, you got to isolate. You um you know it's just it, it is absolutely as you say the heart is getting cold and I think it's happening with everybody everybody all over. Yeah, it really and, is. Uh, we yeah. don't believe it. We don't believe in that stuff. I mean, you know, everybody hugs when we get together on Friday fellowship Ooh. and, you know, and the business of the transmission of the, of the, uh, the spike protein and all that stuff. There are none of us that fear that. We just don't fear that we are Yah's children. The Ruach is Amen. within us and it doesn't make it, you know, you've got, you guys want to run around in fear and you want to be in a hazmat suit and you want to do this and feel free, do it. We're not doing it. I lived, I lived the life that is the easy yoke and the light burden of Yasha. Yeah. That's the life I lead. I don't lead. So Amen. Yeah. Amen. So and, 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 you know, I was corrected by my wife. She, she loves, she loves everybody and she hugs everybody. And, and yesterday I said, you know, Melissa, maybe you shouldn't be hugging so many people. And she says, you know what? I'm doing what I do because I know that that love that I give, and I know, her, you know, that's her love language, and that's what she does. She hugs people, and they are, they are just incredibly blessed by that. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh, so I was corrected in that, you know, and, 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 and that was that was a good moment. But then, then we read in 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 uh, 14, where, where that exact scripture that you mentioned, the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. And that was such a heart-wrenching moment for us because the blood of Yahusha was obviously pure. He's the one that did the deal. We just have to believe in him to actually have that blessing. And um, there's nothing else. And, you know, that was such an overwhelming moment in our fellowship. I mean... Uh, a lot of us were in tears because we it, 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 that whole that whole message that we read culminated in that that you know what Yosha is our high priest who's is pure and righteous and everything that we you know and, and, and anyway so I just wanted to say thank you so much for everything that you do. Well Chris thank you thank you for your kind words you know I give all praise and glory to Yah you know that I mean, uh, I mean. And, and he is the he it is Yah working through me that is the blessing and I mean. and uh, and I give thanks for that I, I, I may not give thanks enough for it that Yah called me into his purpose to do this work I am thankful I don't want him to take it from me and give it to someone else I'm kind of selfish in that respect I want to do this work I want to be here I mean. at the table even though he has called other people to join us now and to join us really in the labor of love and there are many people that are doing that but you're right. You're so right, Chris. And it is a beauty for us to be able to gather here. This is part of the reason why, I mean, my life is kind of being occupied by fellowships right now, but to gather together with brothers and sisters uh, from around the world is extremely important. And That's it's important. It's important this time because we are going to, you know, I, I don't know who's going to walk through this, this uh, Yakov's trouble successfully, but I think uh, many of us are. And I think when we walk through this successfully, we have to look and praise Yah. I'll tell you, the ramifications of walking through it are, they're easily written in scripture. You know, when he parted the Red Sea waters and they walked through, right? You read that and it's like, oh yeah, if I was there, I'd be in Cecil B. DeMille's movie with Moses 
and we'd all be huckachucking down this little path, this little dry path, and it'd all be groovy. What if that wall of water was 300 feet high? What if it was three? What if it was 3,000 feet high, and you had to walk 100 miles? You still, yeah. Are you are you still convinced that you would have the courage to do it? You know, yeah. I mean, and then and then when you think about when you think about and sudden destruction came upon the three thousand. What if there were people that you knew? What if your best friend was in that three thousand? What if your wife was in that three thousand? You know, I mean, when you see the loss that happens, that the 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 mourning and the grief and the the impact of what happens when that destruction happens isn't discussed. You know, okay, we'll follow you, Moshe, but the impact is not discussed. And we're seeing that here now. We look at this the, this time of the sickle and the harvest coming in. We look at this time of tribulation. And what do we see? Oh, we can handle it. We're going to make it. We're going to survive. What about our loved ones that don't? How do we walk through that valley of the shadow of death? You know, yeah. how do we do it? You know, Doc, uh, we were discussing this today. And, and, and one of the things was the hope that is the anchor of the soul that is behind the veil. And uh, that was such a, such a blessing because what is that hope? It's not a wishy-washy hope. This is so steadfast. That hope is so steadfast that nobody can move it. There's not, naked this peril sword, anything, famine, cannot move that hope. Amen, amen, not, amen, amen. It's not a wishy-washy thing. I hope that I have food tomorrow. This is a hope that's eternal, that is so steadfast. And that is grace to me, the power of God to keep us in that hope so that although we might be walking through the, that wall of water that is 300 feet high, we have the anchor on the other side. And that chain is so steadfast that we will carry on no matter what, no matter what, we will just carry on and hold on. And I think for a lot of people, um, their hope is not strong enough. And once again, we go back to the name of Yahweh, which has been revealed, and the ointment, as ointment brought forth, and the virgins, ten foolish and ten wise, who has the oil, who can continue in that hope that is so strong that it will never let us go. We will continue and we will even if they chop our heads off, we will continue in that hope. And I think, you know, to me, uh, this that's why, you know, we just like, oh, man, this is just too much for me to handle. Because what he has done, we can't, we can't, we cannot comprehend it, what he has done. We're, we, in our minds, we, we do not know the, the, the breadth, the height, the depth of his love towards us. And... That's what blessed me today. So I, I just want to say I've said enough. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, well, wonderful, Chris. That was just so wonderfully said. Thank you, brother. Thank you. All right. Um, Shelly, how are you, Shelly? There you are. Wait a minute. I still hey. can't hear you. There you go. Now I got you. <laughs> Oh gosh, I just I can't can't agree with what um, Chris was sharing more. It, this is a lifeline for me, and I couldn't be more grateful. It's just incredible. Well, it's great um, to have you here, Shelley. Thank you. 
my question, um, my family was all here and, you know, praise y'all. Uh, you know, it's so funny because my mother wanted to come and stay for 10 days and she's had the vax. And I can tell you, I was scared about that spike protein until I heard you share that, that, you know, we really just don't have a fear. And so after I heard you share that, I prayed through it and I never said a word to my mom. I just said, come on, let's enjoy our time together. And my daughter came with all the kids and, and we just were family, you know, and, and um, it had its moments, but, but I'm really glad that I had the courage to do that, but it was because of listening to what you had to share. It gave me courage to not worry about that and just trust in Yah. We, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to right. fear. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Fear no evil. Yeah. My my question today is um I've only I haven't even gotten to listen to the whole thing, but it was really hitting me from Thursday night. I can't I'm gonna go by and I'm gonna transcribe it I, I absolutely am so excited about your show last thursday with all the different doctrines and one of the reasons is you know my daughter they they're reformed presbyterian which i don't even understand very well and it, it it's really it, it's difficult because i see so many good things in in life and i i want to be able to plug in but i find she's very very sensitive so i find myself really holding back on saying too much and trying to listen to the Ruach so that I, I don't put my foot in my mouth, but yet have something worthwhile to say. And it's confusing to me, you know, because like they'll, they'll do this thing at Halloween. I mean, Halloween's her favorite holiday and, but they all dress up like Martin Luther characters or something. It's really strange to me. I, I don't really understand it. And I'm wondering if that was that hyper, hyper grace doctrine. I, I just wanted to hear you share about what that particular religion is. Yeah, the hyper-grace doctrine is really this grace of licentiousness that Jude was talking about. And what it is, there was a period of time, and it was in the 1400s and then into the 1500s, that you had this emerging doctrine, and it was in Judaism as well as in Christianity, that, you know, shall we sin that grace might abound? And the answer was yes. And, you know, this, this uh, Kabbalist, Sabati Svi, and who is also known as Ben Luria, uh, you know, forced conversion into Islam. He was one, uh, he was one, and his follower in France was another that was teaching, I think his name was Jacob Frank. I'm not sure about that, but they were teaching this doctrine of sin. And, you know, uh, let your sins just go because that's how your grace is going to abound. Then you repent from it, then you have more grace, then you sin more, then you have more grace. But it wasn't just Sabatisvi and the Kabbalists who were teaching it. Martin Luther also taught it. This was part of his doctrine, and it was his doctrine for 20 years. And uh, he finally repented of that in his last years, and he, and he pulled away from that. But for many years, he taught this doctrine of unbridled sin and, and then the forgiveness of grace, and that it was, all, it was you know, rape, murder, do whatever you want to do, and it was all forgiven. And uh, so what you see is that, that whole program that's being taught it's taught by a distortion of Paul. You know, we're not under the law. And what Paul is teaching is that you're not born under the law. You were born outside of the law. And, you know, and when you say, and, and, and what law? The law of sin and death. We're not under the law of sin and death because we're not subject to, and, and this is the point. When you, when you read the Torah, the Torah is very clear. You know, if you don't keep the Sabbath, you are to be stoned, right? 
If you go right. out and, and gather firewood, you're to be stoned. If you're a rebellious child, you're to be stoned. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Take him outside the camp and stone him. So it was very clear that if that was the case, if we were under that law, well, guess what? There's a whole group of you that missed last Saturday. Take them out and stone them, right? And Paul says, no, you're not under that. That system has gone away. There is not going to be any stoning of anybody. Why? Because sins are forgiven, okay? But that doesn't mean that you go out and sin. And this is what Paul keeps telling you. Does this mean that we should sin such that grace will abound? No. He says it, I don't think, three or four times in the book of Romans. No, it doesn't mean that. But the church says, yeah, that's what it means. And so the church now teaches do what thou wilt. I mean, they teach Satan satanic practices. They teach licentiousness. They teach, you know, when you go into a church and they're telling you, you know, you need to uh, pray. Let's have a prosperity gospel here. You give me money and then you'll get more money. And then we'll all pray that you get more money and that I get more money. Let's all pray that everybody gets more money. And in the meantime, your house isn't big enough. You don't have enough cars. There's more to life than a big house and a new car. There's a boat. There's an airplane. You know, you need all these things, right? I need a new airplane. Blah, 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 blah. And what they're teaching is covetousness. They're teaching covetousness. They're practicing spiritual adultery. They're ignoring the Shabbat. They're engaged in open idolatry. They teach their women to talk dirt about each other at women's studies, which is bearing false witness, right? I mean, all of these, I mean, they're just in flagrant violation of the commandments while they're telling the people in their congregation, you're not under the law. You're not under the law. You're not under the law. Go out and do whatever you want. And as a result, we have a church that's not one iota different than the world. The incidence of abortion, the incidence of rape, the incidence of crime, the incidence of adultery, the incidence of divorce, it's the same in the church and outside the church. There's not a speck of difference. There's no difference because there's no difference in the walk because nobody is following the way and the plain path. They're not following it. They're instead in gross violation of Yah's covenant, Yah's covenant, not Moshe's covenant, Yah's covenant. And so the Presbyterian church, you know, the Presbyterians, you know, had initially started out in Scotland, but the Presbyterian, you know, which is the idea of the Presbyter, right, which is an elder, an elder run church. And so when you talk about the reformed section of Presbyterianism, you know, Presbyterianism is run on a tripartite system with an executive and a legislative and a judicial branch. I mean, that's how they run the church. And the presbyter means elder, and it's supposed to be an elder-driven church. So the elders are in control of the pastor, and the elders make all the ultimate decisions about what's going to happen in the congregation. However, they have been completely overthrown by the LGBT lobby. And they're, I mean, look, the whole nation's been overthrown by the LGBT lobby. If you don't think so, look at the flag under which American troops march right now. This this is um, what they're part of is this reformed and, and that they talk about like the theology all the time. And I mean, they're real strong with family. They they stand against LGBTQ. But oh, the Mormons. It, it's really confusing, though, to me. Yeah, well, I could tell you that the, the there's two camps of Presbyterianism. The reforms have been around for a long time. But it doesn't change the fact that the Presbyterian Church has migrated away from the fundamentals of the truth. And they migrated away. It started out as Scottish Rite Presbyterianism. And the Presbyterian Church was, was controlled by Scottish Rite Masons. And they're also controlled by the Westminster Confession. And the Westminster Confession is not godly. It, it, was, it was created by secular men doing secular things 
to create a secular solution. Mm -hmm. And that's why quite often you see Presbyterians very involved in politics because they, they run a political machine. And so when you talk to, about the Presbyterians and the Methodists, they're kind of, you know, two sides of, of the same coin. The Methodists are much more open and typically have a whole roster of gay pastors. Same thing mm -hmm. with the Lutheran church, right? The Lutheran church had its spire knocked off of it when they ordained their first gay pastor. The, the spire and the cross got blown right off the top of the church by a bolt of lightning when they did it. Boom, right there in Minneapolis. So it's not, it is not approved of Yah. And, uh, you know, so I'm not going to get into a, a complete discussion of Presbyterianism, Shelley, but I can tell you that it's, it's wonderful that your mother was there. And, you know, enjoy the fellowship while you can, because, you know, uh, we don't know what's we don't know what the future holds. But as Josh put it earlier, it doesn't portend well. It right. doesn't portend well. And so, you know, uh, you know, again, pray for your loved ones while you can and and uh, and keep yourself firmly attached to the hope of glory. OK, yeah. Thanks, OK, Shelley. Thank you. OK, Catherine, how are you? I'm doing really well, Dr. P. Um, two little things. One, I want to thank you so much for being in this fellowship. Well, because I'm glad to do it. If you had not brought me out the church when he did, I would have gone the wrong way and I would have been taking this vax. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. But I haven't taken the vax and I'm not going to take the vax. Well, the that's amount, pretty good. The, the amount that the Rukhakadesh has shown me since being well, with you guys and I'm just so grateful for this fellowship another thing I'm glad you brought out flat earth I, I was having a bit of a thing on Facebook um, a believer in Yahuwah was saying earth is flat earth is flat and the rest of the believers are blind but I can't get my head around it <clears throat> because of Isaiah 40 22 and Job 26 verse 7 yeah, all of those verses, I mean, I'll say this, I have published five blogs on the issue, and uh, I think the foremost of those blogs, and the one that I think is the most important, is the one on the four pillars of the earth, because if we don't understand the four pillars conceptually, then we get lost in the weeds, and the biggest difficulty with the flat earth uh, is that the flat earth doctrine actually springs from a Sumerian concept of the world. And it worships a different God. It worships, you know, Anu. And Anu, of course, is the father of the Anunnaki, the fallen watchers. And people don't know it that when they, when they, when they oh, go down that path, that when you think about it, when you look at the fruit of that path, what's the fruit of that path? The fruit of that path is you're no longer obsessed with the gospel message. You're obsessed with the flat earth message. You're no longer obsessed with the, with the doctrine of salvation. You're obsessed with whether or not there's a dome, whether or not uh, whether or not NASA lied to us, you know, whether or not this, whether or not that. And instead of being able to look and see, gee, we're told by the Torah to use the stars, the sun and the moon for signs and for seasons, you know, which is the seasons to give us the feast days and days and years. And we can't do that if you're subscribing and you want to spend all your time talking about Exactly. You want to spend all your time talking about, well, gee, the sun is inside the dome and it's going around and it's doing this stuff. And you're trying to justify all this stuff. Yeah. And instead of instead of doing that, why not concentrate on the name Yahweh and concentrate on the breath of life? And, yeah. and more importantly, concentrate on what the Ruach is doing in your life. Because exactly. if, you, 
life. You think about this, Catherine. You know, you know that the Ruach has done many things in your life. Yeah. Recently, that the Ruach has imparted visions into you and has given you people to speak to and other things that have happened. Now, with these things happening, if imagine if you're a person who spent all your life chasing your retirement fund. You get your retirement fund, you retire at 50 because now you're super rich and you're out on the beach kicking seashells. And you get up every morning and you walk your golden retriever and you're kicking seashells and then you come home and you have your tea and then you, you know, watch TV and go to bed. That is the most useless life you could possibly have. You, you know, the one of the great blessings in life is that Yah calls you to a purpose. That Yah came to you and said, Catherine. I've got something I want you to do. And you might say to yourself, I don't think I can do that. And Yah says, not by might, not by power, but what? By my Ruach, it shall be done. And so the thing is, is that when you have this thing, when, you, when Yah has called you to this purpose, your prayer should be, if you don't have this purpose in your life, you should be praying about it. You should be praying. Pray to Yah and say, Yah. Because between you and me, I'm keeping this secret, but you'll know what I mean. I'm still getting the dreams of the roses. I know, but we're not going to talk about that today. Catherine. No, it is. It's not public. But I know, but what I am saying, yeah, I know. But what I am saying to you is this. Seek that. Seek what the Ruach is doing. Seek his purpose. Because when you have his purpose in your life, now you wake up in the morning and there's meaning. Why am I breathing? Why am I eating this meal? Why am I getting dressed? What is this point? What is the point? And the point is, Yah called you to something. And he said, look, I'm going to give you life and life abundantly. I'm going to put this in your life and I'm going to say, here's the wind. I'm going to put the wind in your sail and I'm going to put you out to sea. Don't take down the sail. Okay. Sail up. You know, some people have put their sails well, up. Well, if right? that's the case, there's lots of work to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sister. Thank you, Catherine. We'll talk soon. Okay. Marcus, how are you, my friend? Spectacular. Oh, uh, yeah. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm so grateful for Father's hand. And thank you for your wonderful prayer to be used by Father to pray. There's something that just a quick mention. I figure out in Matthew 5, 44, that we can be LBDGP, which is if you read it, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for those which despitefully use you and persecute you. We can see everything that Father wants for us in those words right there. I wanted to share with you because I, I take so much. Uh, I love the people in the world today that taken the beauty and just appropriate it for themselves. Like in Enoch, where it talks about remission, the American Medical Association has stolen that away. They call people who think like we do alternative. No, when you recover from terminal cancer because you didn't do what the beast told you to do, the cures for COVID, the cures for all these things are already here, people. You needn't be worried at all. Just do your homework and I'll be glad to help anybody. In the meantime, I wanted to point out that we are on the right team. And by the way, brothers and sisters, you chose the right team when you chose to keep Torah. And just so you know this, and, and uh, these books that have been withheld from us, suppressed for a thousand years, literally this is where the power is. 
this is why I love your work, Dr. P. This in Third uh, Maccabees 4, 29, it says, now this was an active interference of the unconquerable providence which assisted the Yehudim from heaven. And I want you to know, Father is in the business of actively interfering. You could look at 421 there, 3rd Maccabees 421, and make mental note. He's in the business of actively interfering. And I pray the prayers in, in Maccabees about these people in, in uh, Washington, D.C., that Father actively interfere now. Amen. Amen. Interfere. Amen. It's time to see some active things. If you don't mind, brother, I love this passage to make everyone understand the power of Father. It's in Hokma Shaloma, chapter 2 and 22. And it says, as for the mysteries of Elohim, they knew them not. Neither hope they for the wages of righteousness. That's the wages of tzedakah. We always hear in church, Annie, the wages of sin is death. We never hear about the wages of tzedakah. There's wages that are coming for you. The Torah, keeping Torah is not a socialist mentality. There's wages for you. You get different wages depending on how much you put in. Father has so brilliantly devised our relationship that he wants a one-on-one. -on -one. They did not discern there was a reward for blameless souls. For Elohim created man, this is verse 23, for Elohim created man to be immortal and made him to be an image of his own eternity. Please remember, you are an immortal being. We always hear through churchianity that we're made in the image of God. Nobody realizes that isn't a color, that isn't a sex, it's nothing. It's about we're made in the image of his own eternity. We are immortal beings that it says in 4th Maccabees, it says, and they belief, the belief that we have is that we die not to Elohim, but like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we live to Elohim. Whether we are alive or not, we live in Father's presence continually. Nevertheless, through the envy of the devil, death came into the world, and they that do hold of the devil's side do find it. But I want you to read this. Chapter three says, but the souls of the righteous are in the hand of Elohim, and there shall no torment touch them. In the, sight of, the, in the sight of the unwise, they seem to have died or to die, and their departure is taken for misery. And they're going from us to be utter destruction, but they are in shalom. For though they be punished in the sight of men, yet is their hope full of immortality. And then now there it is, Marcus. Now just stop right there for just one second. Yes, brother. Though they be punished in the sight of men. You know, we've talked about this in, in, at length in our fellowship about the crucifixion of Mashiach. You know, he was taken over to the garbage pit to be crucified, right? Take him down there where they burn the dogs and they burn the dead bodies. Take him down there. Put the stake up down there. Crucify him down there. Well, and then he was crucified naked. You know, the Catholic Church wants to have him up on a 22-foot cross, you know, like a, the Passion of the Christ, right? He's on a cross that could only have been put in place by a 60-ton crane, right? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Right. You know, and, you know and, and that's not what happened at all. I mean, there's a, there's a great picture by Nikolai Guy of the crucifixion of Mashiach. It's a great, great picture. You know, he's on a very small stake, and he's not very far off the ground. 
And right. he is just, you know, he's just writhing in pain. And, you know, I mean, you know, and, and, and you see, you actually see the true event. Crucified at the garbage pit, crucified among burning corpses. The stench down there had to be horrible. You know, it was a place nobody went, nobody wanted to go. And he was crucified with the criminals. And when he was crucified, it's like, you are scum. You are the lowest of the low. You're nothing. We are Rome. We have the power to do everything to you, including take your life. And you're nothing. You're Zippo. And even his disciples sat there and went, okay, he's nothing. Right? He's not so only that's the interesting thing that you made today is that these guys have been deified by the Romish church and by all of these churches as if they were some fantastic men of the spirit. They were not. They didn't even say I, I never knew him. I don't know anything about him. Uh, uh, no, he's not with me. I'm not with him. They all denied him. Everyone. And they, ran. All, and they ran. They all right. ran. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, you know, and, and who was it? Who was it that was at the foot of the cross? The women. It was the women. It was absolutely the and there's so much more power. So many women have so much more power than the men do. But if you just look at this five, having been chastised a little, they shall be greatly rewarded for Elohim proved them and found them worthy for himself. These are the people that have been chastised in front of everyone. It's gold in the furnace. He tried them and received them as a burnt offering. And in the time of their visitation, they shall shine and run to and fro like sparks among the stubble. They shall judge the nations and have dominion, there's that interesting word, over the people. And their Yahuwah shall reign forever. You made the right choice, brothers and sisters. Then this verse 9, if you'll write this down someplace, this is so important. This and is I put verse 9 of what, what chapter? What chapter? This is Mark? chapter 3, Hokma uh, Shaloma, chapter 3, 9. Okay, Hokma Shalom, the wisdom of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 9. And okay. by the way, that's another interesting subject, why they left a book of, of Proverbs in, but they didn't put this book in. Oh, there's very interesting things that just diversified from their narrative. They didn't want this stuff in there. Verse 9 says, but they that put their trust in him shall understand the truth. And such as be faithful in love shall abide with him. For grace and mercy is to his set-apart ones, his kodeshim, and Amen. he has care for his elect. You, brothers and sisters, are going to win. You are on the winning team. Our Heavenly Father is not so weak that churchianity has made him out to be like this Martin Luther you're talking about. Well, he's a Roman Catholic priest all of his life. So right. he had all that Roman Catholic nonsense in his head like I grew up with serving mass in Latin as an altar boy. I knew all that crap and you could do anything you wanted because priest is going to forgive you in that little box on Saturday night before you go to mass on Sunday where they turn that little wafer into the body of Jesus. It's all a lie. It's all a pagan garbage. But you understand you've chosen the winning side. And I want you to be encouraged because faith cometh by hearing. It actually says belief cometh by hearing. And, and where we were talking with brother this morning, he said, but you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy belief. How do you do that? Belief cometh by hearing and by in hearing by the word of Elohim. It's the word, brothers and sisters, that you study every day. You spend time in that every day. Father will speak to you directly every day. And taking this very version is set, like Brother Chris said, it saved me so many years. I tried to study all the other versions, and now I have all of these compiled together. And for that, I do bless you, Brother Stephen. Thank you for being useful to Father. And I want to close. I just saying, I so appreciate you. It says in 2 Baruch 5. 
My name and my glory are unto all eternity, and my judgment shall maintain its right in its own time. Okay? Be ready. He's his name, Yahuwah, will be here and his glory are to forever and ever. You've picked the right side, brothers and sisters, and my judgment shall maintain its right. His judgment is right, and it shall come in his time. Be Amen. assured. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Good hearing from you, good brother. Thank you, dear. Okay. Heather, how are you? Heather, are you there? There you are. I am, Dr. Pigeon. How are you? Thank you so Very much. Very good. You bet. Uh, I'm going to turn the volume up. I'm just so thankful for you. I, I found, discovered you and Jessica about six months ago, driving um, from New Jersey back to Vermont. And at that time, I was, I'm a nurse working in the hospital and um, in the land of the COVID covid cult and everybody believed and i didn't and um so finding listening to your word present time where you um marry the word of god with um what is happening now was literally gave me breath and hope and i'm so thankful i just you are just you're a, a godsend to everyone so a few it's things all, yeah. i want it's all yeah, yeah i know and, and, i mean beautiful. i can tell you when, you, when Yah did these things, Heather, I mean, I really thank you guys for the accolades, but it really belongs to Yah. I mean, it was the Ruach HaKodesh really all the time doing all of this. I mean, we were just kind of sitting around being, uh, we were seeking the truth, right? That's what we were doing. And we were self-professed people who were seeking the truth. That's what we were doing, seeking the truth. And we came out and said, that's what we're doing. We're seeking the truth. And so I was teaching on the truth. And then Yah just kind of, oh, boom. Okay, well, how about this? How about this? How about this? I'm like, well, hold on a minute. I don't think I could. Oh, yeah. How about this? How about this? How about this? And the next thing you know, we were working 40 to 50 hours a week in addition to our full-time jobs, in addition to our full-time jobs, compiling scripture. And, you know, I mean, I mean, so this was, you know, this went on for eight years and we were just like, we got to get this done. We got to get this done. We got to get this done. Well, it wasn't us. It wasn't us doing it. It was Yah doing it. And, you know, one of the one of the first guys who reviewed the who reviewed the Sefer, we have his review on online on the website. He said, you know, I was going to do this. I was, he was he's, he's a Ph.D. in a Ph.D. and a Th.D. And he came in and said, I was going to do this and you, and you guys beat me to it. And it's exactly right. He said, this is exactly right. these books were the books that had to come together. And, you know, we brought these books together and it was it was exclusively by the hand of the Ruach HaKodesh. He was the one just guiding. I mean, I sit back and I think about those days and was like, okay, how did we get this order again? And how did we do this? And why did this book end up in here again? And what, what, hey, you know, and I mean, it was just, you know, the Ruach was just pushing it all. And we did it. Wouldn't it be nice for me to say, oh, we had 100% recognizance that we knew that this is where we were going to be. We didn't know any of this. We did this book for our fellowship, for our home fellowship. That's why we did it. Let's do it here. Let's put it together so our team can have something under a single binding where we can study, right? And then the next thing, you know, we had some people come together and say, well, it can't just be for you. You need to print more. And we didn't even have a printer. We had, the, when we first put the thing together, we had this group, Lulu, that was putting together the book and their books were so horrible. You'd open them up three times and the binding would fall apart. They'd send them to us with the cover upside down and it was all glue and it was just, and they were, and they were, they were horrible. And, you know, but we, I'd bring home a book. I'd say, okay, look, I got three books for the fellowship tonight. I couldn't get a book home. 
I couldn't get one home that I could take home to myself and study. It was like, hey, I want one of these, right? And I would, so I, I had one book, I showed up, so I'm reserving this book for myself and this thing has fallen apart completely. I mean, it was just in chunks, you know? And I showed up at this church in Spokane and I said, okay, I'm gonna teach. And so I got up and I taught, you know, I taught him some stuff. And the sound man comes to me and says, I want that book. I said, well, you can't have it, it's mine. No, I gotta have it. You need to sell it to me right now. And I said, I can't, it's mine. This is my only book. He eventually talked me out of it. And that brother turned into, into a huge Torah teacher. I mean, what a phenomenal guy. He what, what a phenomenal guy he was. I couldn't believe how fast he went too. He just like kaboom, he accelerated you know, the, to the top of the class very quickly. And uh, but at any rate, I just want you to know and that what's going on right now with this fellowship, with the Thursday night fellowship, and we have other fellowships too. This is Yah's doing, okay? It's not my doing. It's Yah's doing. He's the one that is bringing this stuff together. And so, and what I appreciate the accolades, you need to know that for me, you know, if you had met me outside of this scripture, you would have said, oh, that guy is just some lawyer, just ignore him, right? Uh, and, and, you know, that was whatever my world was, but that world doesn't belong to me and it didn't belong to me. And Yah put me in that legal world for one reason, to be able to write, and to be able to understand. That's why he put me there. Because you need to understand these concepts. And when I, you know, I go to law school to get a doctorate, and I went to law school to get the doctorate, and they didn't teach the law. They taught their phony baloney. And, you know, and I actually had three years of pre-law before I went to law school. And so I had two different teachers teaching me everything I ever learned in law school. I got taught from two different camps. And I'm looking at these guys like, you guys don't even teach the law. And finally, when I read when I read uh, R.J. Rushdoony's *The Institutes of Biblical Law*, did I come to understand that that is the book that should be taught? You know, *The Institutes of Biblical Law*, six essays on the Commonwealth by Jean Baudin. Uh, these were the works that needed to be taught first and foremost before you got into anything of the other law, because in *The Institutes of Biblical Law*, you see Rushdoony lay out the Ten Commandments, and then all of the other mitzvot come under those commandments. You can see it very clearly how they just come on. This comes into this, this comes into this, this comes into this. So Moshe's law is given for understanding, right? But Yah's commandments are given as the fundamentals. They are the, they are the foundation upon which we live, upon which we thrive. And so I wouldn't have understood this if I hadn't gone through six years of legal training, right? Trying to understand the basis of tort law, trying to understand the common law. And, you know, it was me who published Bouvier's Law Dictionary. And Bouvier's Law Dictionary is a common law, law dictionary. That, and, but most people, they, they want to, you know, you hear a lot of guys talking about common law and being a sovereign citizen and blah, 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 blah. Common law is church law. When you look at the common law doctrines, you're going to find they're all in Latin. They're all in Latin. That should tell you something. That should tell you something. Anyway, uh, the long and the short of it was, is Jean Baudin asked the question. Is the law from Rome or is it from Greece? And he ultimately concluded it was from Moshe. The foundation of all law in the world is from Moshe. So you have to understand that at, at its outset. And so I came to it from this side of coming up through scripture from the grass up and this side coming at it from a, from a lawyer looking at the research backwards, back into the scripture. And what I found was I found the truth. What I found was I found the truth. And not only did I find the truth, but I also found the lie. Hmm. Or in this case, 
the lies. And they are heaped up all the way to heaven, these lies. And, you know, and so when you try to pierce through them, I don't pierce through them. Like somebody said, here's the book that, that Dr. Pigeon wrote. I didn't write one word. Well, I wrote the preface. But I didn't write any of the rest of the book. I didn't write it. These guys wrote it. I didn't write it. It wasn't me who wrote it. It was somebody else who wrote it, right? We just compiled it and we edited it to as accurately as we could get it. Okay. Okay, Heather, now go ahead. Hit me with your question. Okay. I'm very thankful for that. Okay. Um, so I have the second edi edition of the Sefer and I absolutely love it. Obviously, I need the third. Um, I have questions about the Yom Kadesh. Um, I started reading the preface and my, I tried to keep up as much as I could. And then my eyes crossed. So I'm hoping. <laughs> I know You should talk, you I, should talk to Penny at, at the separate publishing group. She says blood shoots out of her eyes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much that's what happens. So I'm hoping that maybe there, do you have some type of video tutorial or something? Um, because I want to use it and I, I'm not sure. I, I don't want to walk away because I'm so confused from the beginning. Um, so if, if you don't have some type of a YouTube or something video, or if you can guide me, that would be great. Because you know, I, I really want to. But, but you're right. I do need that because when you talk about the Yom Kodesh, I mean, I just edited the Spanish version of the Yom Kodesh, you know, and I'm telling you, you know, it is um, when you're trying to equate something in nature as profound as the calendar into a book, it is a real challenge. And so every time I would lay out the calendar, I, had, I would go to guys, we were talking about putting together a Yom Kodesh app, and we're still talking about it. But the guys would say, well, what's the algorithm? Well, that's the expectation that there's going to be an algorithm. So when you look at an Enochian calendar, that's an algorithm. When you look at the Lunar Sabbath, that's an algorithm. When you look at the Gregorian or the Julian calendar, that's an algorithm. It doesn't exist in nature. You're trying to plot an algorithm that will predict what nature is going to do. And the, the true calendar doesn't predict an algorithm. The true calendar follows nature. It follows what's actually here. And that's why, you know, I mean, I can tell you in, sim in simplicity the way it works. Now, Steve Boutry and I are on the same page about how the calendar works, but he starts his count a month late, in my opinion. He starts it a month late. So what you have in the calendar is you have this refreshing, which is the vernal equinox. And so you have a new moon before the vernal equinox and a full moon after the vernal equinox. That's the first month of the year. Now, this is the first month of the year because the Aviv, the barley, will always be in Aviv at that month, always. And we have proven it every year that the calendar, we've been accurate, that the barley has been in Aviv when it comes to Bikor every single month that we have predicted. Now, the Jewish calendar, they have a different means of sorting it out. And so they've, they've been wrong and they've known they've been wrong because you're supposed to have the barley in Aviv in the spring you're supposed to have the wheat in Aviv at Shavuot, and you're supposed to have the graves ready to be harvested at the time of the Feast of Sukkot. That's what's supposed to be present. And they were off in 2015, they were off by a month because they thought that our prediction was a month too early. Well, by the time they got to Aviv in their month, by the time they got to Bikur, guess what? The barley had been gone for a month. By the time they got to Shavuot, the wheat had been harvested for a month. By the time they got to, when they, and when they realized that, 
well, we missed the barley, we missed the wheat. Then the nascent Sanhedrin come out and said, hey, we got to change the calendar. The rabbi said, shut your mouth. We're not changing nothing. We've published a whole bunch of calendars and we're not going to change for these idiots, right? But I can tell you that we have been accurate as to predicting the barley and Aviv every single year because we use the formula that the, the new moon before the vernal equinox and the full moon after predicts the first month. So if you know this, now you know that you're going to come to another equinox, which is going to be the autumnal equinox, and that gives you the second count. If you're in the southern hemisphere, your calendar is just reversed. This is why you can't do a flat earth thing, because in the southern hemisphere, it's reversed. So the sixth month of the year becomes the first month. That becomes Aviv. And so then as you go into the summer cycle, you have this, you have this first month, Aviv, and then it's another pattern of six months. The difference is, because of the way it's laid out, the 13th month, which is called an intercalary month, appears about every third year. And that will appear at the end of the Northern Hemisphere count. That's when it appears. So what you see now is that when you go outside and you look, when there's no moon, that's the first day of the month. And, you know, and that the same day, the no moon only lasts for three hours. Then you see the sliver moon. The sliver moon, that very first indication of the moon, tells you when you see it, gee, that's the first day of the month. When you, and then as the moon waxes, as the moon waxes, you have to be able to look at the moon and tell which side of the moon is illuminated that, that tells you if it's waxing and which side of the moon is illuminated when it's waning. You need to know the difference. And so when you look, you can look right at the moon and you can go, oh, it's the third day of the month. Oh, it's the seventh day of the month. Oh, it's the 12th day of the month. Oh, it's the 15th day of the month. It's the full moon. It must be the 15th day. You can look right at the moon and see it. And this goes on like, like clockwork, and it keeps going month to month to month to month until you get to the end of the year. Now, when you get to the end of the year and you're sitting there in February and you're going to have a, a full moon that is going to be on the first of, or you're going to have a new moon on the first of March and a full moon on the 15th of March, but the vernal equinox is March 20th. Well, guess what? That's the 13th month. That's what's called an intercalary month. That's a 13th month because it, the full moon ha has to appear after. It's the first full moon after the vernal equinox and the new moon before that creates the first month. And so this is how we've calculated Yom Kodesh. And so the Yom Kodesh, then we go down and we tell you, now it could be better organized. I know, I mean, I've been, believe me, I've been working out a way to try to organize this thing for a long time. An app will probably be the best bet as to how to organize it because with an app, we'll have a hundred year schedule on there. And we'll also have a picture of the moon. We'll have a picture of the moon right at the top and you can look at the picture of the moon and go, okay, well, that's telling me something. So this idea of waxing and waning, you see, you have an idea that the year waxes on, it waxes on from the winter solstice and it waxes until the summer solstice and then it wanes from the summer solstice to the winter solstice. The day waxes on to high noon and then it wanes from noon until darkness, right? That's what goes on. So you have this idea of waxing and waning, you know, wax on, wax off, as they said in the karate kid, right? That's actually helpful. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right, Heather. All right. So thanks um, for that question. Yeah. So I also see on your website, um, because we're uncertain, potentially say uh, there, we can't get on the internet. 
I saw that you have a radio station, but it says not available or something. Is that yeah, true? The radio station. Yeah, the radio station. We've had problems. Problems would be the understatement of the year. We've had a lot of problems with that. We were supposed to be able to. Um, <clears throat> we were going to use the radio station that was coming out of New Orleans, and um, they wanted us to use a particular software that was coming out of Britain. That software was the most hostile software I have ever seen ever. I had one of the top geniuses in Washington, Dave Vargas, uh, help trying to help me through that. And he was over at the house six times trying to get that software to function. We finally had to send in a, uh, a work request. How do we get it to work? And by the time we got it to work, they had a, an, a wholesale failure of the software and had to completely reboot everything. So we don't have a radio station yet. And I apologize for that. I wish we That's did. That's okay. I just want to be able to be able to still hear the teach your teaching and Yah's teaching through you. Um, well, Heather, here's what the thing to do. Write me at Stephen at Sefford.net. And I'm going to put yeah. you on the list because we're going to try to, we're going to, we're, what we're going to try to do, and thanks to the recommendation of Stuart, we're going to try to do DVDs or thumb drives for distribution so that we can send it to you so that you've got some distribution other than the internet, because we are about to lose the internet. So if you yeah. want to be on that list, send your name to Stephen at Sefford.net and your mailing address. And then we'll start, then I'll put you on the mailing. We'll start creating this mailing list. We're going to do it the old fashioned way. Best right? way. Yes. Fantastic. We're going to um, use, the, what's his name? The postman to deliver it. Yeah. Um, okay. I just wanted to share something. They're actually, um, I, I, I know a lot of teachers that are believers and they don't want to, um, to be, um, have to take the injection, have to wear the masks. There's many people who are concerned about their children um, with keeping them in public schools. And I even suggested last month, I think you should really start looking at underground schools, starting them now, because we cannot have our children poisoned any longer in so many different ways, mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, so I think new schools are perfect, but. Um, I am going to be starting an underground school. I mean, I could yes. say we, we, we have stuff for Academy and somebody wrote me about this again today and said, you need to start teaching. And I am going to start doing that. I'm going to start this underground school. And again, anybody that's interested, write me at Stephen at Sefford.net. And I'm going to, I think we're going to do it through the mail is what we're going to do because we yes. have to get, because the internet is going to crash any day now. I mean, they're going yes. to take the whole thing down. And so when mm -hmm. that happens, we're going to have to do it through the mail. So spread it by word of mouth, if you will, to parents. And we're going to be teaching and I'm going to be teaching a different kind of fundamentals. We're going to be talking about, we're going to talk about learning the Aleph Beit. We're going to talk about learning, uh, you know, the, the Paleo Hebrew language. We're going to talk about learning the fundamentals of history through scripture we're going to talk about learning geography and the migration of the tribes. And we're also going to be talking about some other things, but I'm not going to get into academic instruction. Okay. It's going to be much more about critical thinking. Yes. Because so the important. mind has to be able to think and children are not taught critical thinking. They're taught no. conversation and not critical thinking, and they have to be taught how to think. And so this is what we're going to be talking about. We'll be talking about, you know, the analytics, the analytical mind, how the mind is to think and using analytics and in terms of evaluating everything, we'll be teaching logic. I'll be teaching logic and logical fallacies. And I'm going to be teaching uh, the, some of the, I, and I will, there will be special classes on music too. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Because we actually have to teach our children and our grandchildren um, how to start the new world. 
because everything that's been taught thus far is a lie. So that's it right. doesn't even matter. Boy, there's, well there's, said, there's, Heather. Yeah. Well said. Yep. It's um, all been a lie. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, they, and uh, I have a, one question about believers. They're believers in, in, in Yahushua, but they have been brainwashed into taking the injections or forced by family members or jobs against their will. What does, does it that count? mean? Thank yeah. God. Praise well, God. I mean, Thank you God. Know, look, look, look at Revelation 14. Revelation 14 requires you to take the mark and to worship the beast and to worship yes. the beast. There's a twofold drop there. And all I can tell you is, is that, you know, we all pray for our loved ones and continue to do so and continue to pray that like, we think that if you, if you look at some of these reports that there is uh, that there may be an antidote that will take this, uh, this graphene oxide out of your system and, and it also may be, that may be the failure of the beast. And again, the scripture says that nothing will separate us from the love of Yah, nothing. And so just continue to pray for your loved ones and let's just, you know, stay strong in the faith, okay? Yes, um, thank you. I would like to be put on mailing lists for absolutely everything. I wanna be um, able to continue study and- um, Well, make sure, you, I, make sure you write me at stephen at sefford.net. Okay. I will. Thank and then, you. and then, and there's also, you can sign up for the newsletter too. There's a, about, I think, I don't know, 15,000 people on the newsletter. Sign up for that while you're there, while you're at the Sefer site, sign up for the newsletter. And then we can, this way we have a mailing address and it can be, you know, it, it, we don't have to know where you live. We just need to know how to mail to you. Okay. Right. Right. Because we're going to have to do things by physical mail now. I mean, that's uh, what yes, I, I agree. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Heather. Okay. You. Kobe, how are you, brother? I'm good. How you doing? Good. Um, it's good to hear from you. Um, so earlier today, um, I was sharing the uh, scripture with somebody, a young 17 year old, and he was just really receptive and he got immersed in, in, in Yahusha's name. So hallelujah. Hallelujah, brother. That was really good. Um, but I, I have this other friend, um, she is struggling a lot. And um, I'm kind of like, at, uh, you know, I can't really say anything else. I've been trying to help her. Um, but she has like a, you know, a ruach of fear. And um, she has kids that um, she's dealing with, uh, you know, some issues with CPS with her husband and, oh, yeah. and, uh, and uh, her husband is abusive and won't let her um, physically has been physically before and won't let her talk to anybody about Yahusha. And um, it's Hasatan, obviously, Ephesians 6, 12. That's what I'm seeing. And I've been trying and trying, but she's choosing like to be in that instead of running to Yahusha. So it's kind of just like, do you just kind of dust your feet off or I don't you know, I'm still going to talk to her, but you know what I mean? Like, I well, we saw this passage out of Jude today, right? And the passage out of Jude today says, on some, have compassion that you might make a difference, right? right. On others, you speak to them of the fear that's coming. And, you know, you might, you might the next time you, you talk to her, you might want to just approach to her and say, you know, you know, look at this book of Jude. It says hmm, that some people are going to be cast into the outer darkness, 
you know, in complete outer darkness, you don't want that to be you. And just kind of point out, I mean, you know, some people I think have to consider what the world is. And, you know, for some women, I mean, I really understand because women will cling to the relationship, even when the relationship is like sour beyond belief. Right. And you've got an abusive husband and you've got uh, a, a, an abandoning husband or you have a, a, an adulterous husband and they're clinging to the relationship and they're saying, well, I'm not going to let my marriage fail because, you know, in Malachi, it says, yeah, hates divorce, right? And, and I can respect that. I can respect that. I can respect a woman that wants to cling to her marital vows and wants mm -hmm. to, you know, and hold tight in those situations. I mean, I do respect that. Uh, and we need to have respect for that as well. But what has to happen is the husband has to be reformed. And I don't know if you ever get a chance to talk to this guy. Well, the guy it, apparently, sorry to interrupt. The guy is, um, she was telling me, like she's dealing with her mom. Her mom has issues with racism and like her, her fiance was like racist and his dad was like a Nazi and he doesn't like black people. So I'm like, well, I mean, I'll pray for him. And I don't think he wants to talk to me. So, well, I'll tell you, you know, you remember the movie, um, uh, Grand Torino with Clint Eastwood. I believe so. Yeah. Remember, I mean, Clint Eastwood was like the maximum racist there was, right? <laughs> you remember he was just Mr. Foulmouth racist and he really, because he fought in Vietnam, he fought in Korea. He really didn't like, you know, Asian people. And he had these Asian neighbors that moved in and he was just like, you know, using every, every kind of, you know, uh, rotten word there was. But he ended up giving his life for that kid. The kid that was going to steal his car. He gave his life for him and he gave him his car. He gave him the Grand Torino, you know. And, you know, these guys that, that try to pretend that they're racist, uh, you know, sometimes you want to approach that and just say, hey, man, you know, you need to let go of that. Whatever you're clinging to, you need to let go of it. And, you know, and, and, and unless, you know, so your evangelism might be something more than you think. You got to talk to the guys, man. You got to talk to the guys, not the wife. You got to go talk to the father and say, hey, you need to straighten your act up. Where are you coming from? Why do you have, why, why you know, and it's the father, you know, and this is something else too. When you have a, a, a man and a wife, it says right in scripture, what's it say? A man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto right. his wife. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you, as somebody who spent 20 years in family law, one of the biggest things I saw that wrecked marriages was when people would not leave and cleave. Leave and cleave. You know, he needs to get away from his dad, period, and cleave unto his wife and take responsibility for, his, for what his, for the decision he made. Because he needs to leave and cleave. And I'll tell you, this business of leaving and cleaving, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it where people have been married for 25 years and they get divorced and, and the wife runs home to her mother. Well, why are you running home to your mother? Because you didn't cleave to your husband. You know, when you looked at Sarah, Sarah cleaved to Abraham and Abraham left and he goes wandering all over the place. You know, he became a stranger in a strange land, right? He goes wandering all over the place and Sarah is right there. And even though Sarah had, and, and Abraham was, you know, he was abusive to her. Nobody wants to talk about it. He wasn't planning on giving her a thing. When I die, I'm going to give it all to Elazar. And Sarah's like, hey, what about me? Well, you know, hope you make it. Because when I die, you might as well jump on the funeral fire with me because I'm not leaving anything to you. I'm giving it all to Elazar. And so she's praying for a son. Why is she praying for a son? Because only with her son does she have an inheritance. Only with her son does she have an inheritance, Right. And Hagar, the stranger, she gets an inheritance in Ishmael, but what about her? What about Sarah? 
And then when she finally gets to sign, Abraham is saying, I want to take him up and sacrifice him, right? And Sarah's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about me, right? I mean, you never hear her say it in scripture. But, you know, Sarah laughed, right? When she was told she was going to be pregnant, Sarah laughed. And so oh, these, yeah. mm -hmm. these things came upon her because she laughed it, because she laughed. But, you know, the thing is, when we talk about leaving and cleaving, you have to leave and cleave. And this husband needs to leave his father, his racist father, and cleave unto his wife. Is his racist grandfather, grandfather. Well, his racist grandfather. Okay, we'll right. leave him too. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, I, I don't hate the guy. I pray for this. Is the last thing I'm gonna say, I pray for him. You know, I hope that all goes well. But you know, who says he been he visits the third and fourth generation? You know, they need to. He needs to under, better understand scripture because he's yelling at her for saying Yahusha, not Geo. You know, and I'm just like. Man, well, what about the part where Yahushua died for everyone's sins in all generations? We were just talking about that in the chat. So I'm like, you yeah. better reread it, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, this is one of the wonders also of the African-American community is that the name Yahushua has gone through like wildfire in that community. You know, Yawa and Yahusha has gone through that community like wildfire. And that community is very, very strong. Uh, and, you know, and I'm not talking about the racist, you know, uh, black Israelite movement. We were just talking about it. Go ahead in the chat. Yeah, wow. I, but yeah. I'm talking about the other movement, you know, like watch me reports. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are doing like, you know, that that inside the community, there is a real power in the name of Yah. And it's and, and when they walk away from the racism and they walk mm -hmm. away from the foul language and they clean up their mouth clean and they mouth. become the, and they, they become the true followers of the way, the truth and the life like everyone else. Mm -hmm. Guess what? The, the shalom comes upon them, right? And you know, and and racism, you know, there's no call for racism. You know, in the scripture, it says neither Jew nor Greek, male, female, bond or free, right? All are equal before the cross. And this is so critically important that we love one another, that we love one another, because we don't know who is of the house of Yasharel. The house of Yasharel is found in Africa, it's found in South America, it's found in the islands of the Central Pacific. It's found in India and Pakistan. It's found in Russia. It's found in Europe. It's found in Scotland. It's found in North America. Mm -hmm. You know, and so we don't know who our brother and sister are. And what does Mashiach say? Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is the one who said, I'm going to put aside my life and I'm going to go help that guy who's dying. I'm going to die unto myself to take some of myself and put it into that guy and give a coin and say, here, you take care of him while I'm gone until I come back. And if you need more money, I'll give you some more. Who is your neighbor that you are called to love, right? And this fellow who is getting uptight, you know, and what is he warring against, Kobe? What's he warring against? He's warring against the name. That's what he's warring against. That's why he's keeping her from talking with people with who only say the name, who call that name, because he's saying you're going to go to hell for saying Geo. You know, so he's just confused. Yeah, he's confused. Well, let's pray well, for a, a spirit of discernment in his in his in his mind that he that he will have eyes that can see and ears that can hear. Anyway, brother, thanks for the good report about the baptism. Good to hear from you. You too. Okay, take care. Okay, Heidi, where you be? Hi there. There you are. So good to be here, everybody. I love you. I just want to say it. So good to hear you all. Um, so now that we're talking about lovely things and life, my question is, well, oh, first of all, we, we know it's the rock working through you, Stephen, but we Thank appreciate you. your choice 
and we praise Yah for you and that it's a thing he's doing and we love him and we love you. So we appreciate you both for um, what you guys are doing together and for us. How's that? So when you talk, don't feel like, oh, you should shut up now. Please don't shut up. Um, so my question is, so bless you. Okay, so my question is back to death and genocide. Are all the Chinese that are slated to like take over the houses, especially on the West Coast after a big die off, it looks like they're going to just put their people in and take over the land? Yeah. Are they... Have they gotten jabbed? Are they just going to drop dead soon? No, too? they have not gotten jabbed. There were, okay. there were they think there were some 21 million Chinese that were initially killed around Wuhan uh, after the initial outbreak, but most of them were killed uh, through the application of Cinco Gaia, right? Cinco okay. meaning five, Gaia meaning G, right? Correct. And uh, once that once that protocol was implemented, there were 21 million people, and they were dropping dead in the street. And, uh, but there were 21 million cell phones that disappeared. And the Chinese don't mind 21 million being gone. I mean, they could care less. There's 1.4 billion there. Then you know, 21 million to drop in the bucket. They'll be replaced here in the next year, right? And so, but you're right. I mean, what's going on is these syncophants that are working for the CCP are doing everything they can to force people who know America and believe in America out of their various states, out of the cow, right? California, Oregon, and Washington, which is soon going to become the Chinese occupied West. And the thinking was that what we'll do is we'll just force everybody out and then we'll, we'll buy up their businesses for pennies on the dollar. We'll buy up their vacant restaurants for pennies on the dollar, their gyms for pennies on the dollar, their swimming pools for pennies on the dollar, their condos for pennies on the dollar. And that's what they're doing. The only problem is, is right now they have no tenants. And, you know, when you look at what happened in, uh, in downtown Seattle, they have about a 60% vacancy rate downtown Seattle because all the businesses left, you know, and, and now you've got, when you go down there to the Seattle center on the Space Needle, it's just a gigantic homeless camp, you know, replete with junk and human feces and everything else. And, you know, that's, that is all of downtown Seattle. They're afraid to build the beach. Uh, the beach said that they were going to build a beach improvement project for 54 million because it was going to become a homeless camp. And, you know, so their whole strategy to essentially empty California, empty Oregon, empty Washington, which they're doing there. That's why the water is all drying up. There's no fresh water in Southern Cal. There's no fresh water in Northern Cal. There's, the Klamath River has completely dried up in Oregon and it's completely gone. A Lake Shasta is almost completely gone. And, you know, so what you're seeing is you're seeing all these tools that they're being used and the leaders are thinking we're working on behalf of the CCP to make this property available. And if you go into like downtown Bellevue, you've got a whole you know, bunch of buildings of condos that were built there. Nobody's living there. They're all owned by, you know, you might have one or two families in the whole building and the hedge fund owns the rest of the building, right? The hedge funds own it. Well, the hedge funds are, you know, it's a lot of CCP money. And so what, what they're doing is they're buying up the real estate. And if you look around, you will see that there is a fantastic increase in the Chinese population from Vancouver to San Diego. And it's doing nothing but increasing. Now, a report came out yesterday, Zero Hedge reported on it. 40% of the people working in San Francisco are planning on leaving the city this year. 40%. So you're talking about people are just going to abandon the place because it's impossible to live there. Just like in Seattle it's or Portland, 
Those cities are impossible to live in. You cannot live there. And they're emptying them. And then when the time, by the time they're emptying, they're boarding up everything, you know, by the time they get empty, they're thinking we're going to buy that up for cheap. And then when, when the, the economy comes back, we'll own on this property. The economy is not coming back. You know, anybody who's watched the, the movie, I don't know if you guys ever saw the series, it's called Man in the High Castle. And in Man in the High Castle, you have something very interesting. You have the East Coast, which is everything east of the Rockies, is Nazi. And everything west of the, of the Front Range is Japanese. But in reality, that's all going to be Chinese. It's going to be Chinese, not Japanese. And everything on the other side of the Rockies, Nazi. And then there's what's called the neutral zone, which runs down the Rocky Mountains, right? And so it comes down through Idaho and Western Montana and through Colorado and Utah and into New Mexico. And this is called the neutral zone, where people who, who want to live in poverty outside of the, the Asian control on one side and the Nazi control on the other. That's all, that was published by Amazon, that series. And it's all predictive of what they want to have happen. I believe that the West Coast has been given over to the Chinese communists. And the leadership in those three states are working daily to improve the environment for the Chinese communists to come in and take those states. That's what they're doing. And that's why people who live in those states should do themselves a favor and get out. Unless you like living under Chinese communism. No, I don't. So, and you know where I live. So I just need extra prayers and for y'all to interfere in my life and get me out of here. How's your Mandarin coming? It's not. Um, let's That's see. Shall I... <laughs> I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Heidi. Okay. All there right. Things I could say. All right. So, thank you. Thanks, Heidi. Take care. You too. Okay, John, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm doing pretty good. And you? Very good. That's good. That's good. Uh, you know, uh, something that uh, Chris and, and, uh, uh, Josh touched on earlier, which is, I, I think, uh, when Chris mentioned, you know, people are just getting so angry with each other. Um, to me, uh, that's that's another sign that the second seal is out, because yeah. peace is taken from the earth. Peace you know? is taken from the earth, yeah. And and I do think that's even uh, affected with this jab too. I think there's a part of that that's a part of it. And they're using that to take peace from the earth. Oh, you haven't been jabbed and all that other stuff. But well, um, you've seen it even you've seen the videos in Walmart where people are, are walking through trying to buy buy stuff in the store with no mask on. And then mm -hmm. they're confronted like I'm gonna beat your face in because you're not wearing a mask. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's very sad what's going on. You know, I mean it's heartbreaking, but it's 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 sweet in the mouth but bitter in the stomach. It's sweet to Amen. know that the time is close, but it's bitter to watch what's happening to our Yeah. Family. Yeah, well put. Um, and so uh but I also think that the third seal is 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 breaking as well. We're watching the the increased price of food um you know and and there's there's so much indication now that that, uh, you know, by the end of the year, uh, there just might not be much food on the shelves in the store. That's coming where, where I am. We're seeing it all over the place. There's supply chain breakdown here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there's lots of vacancy and many of the stores can't get a thing. And if you do want to get something, you're, you're waiting two, three weeks, even a month to get it. And uh, so, yeah, the, the supply chain is breaking even now. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and you're right, food prices are going to go through the roof. 
And they're, they're only going to be able to hide this for so long right. uh, until the currency completely collapses. And, you know, and uh, so they're, this is why they're strategizing. Well, if we put more power on the street, like going door to door and showing our force and our strength, that people will continue to comply with us even after the dollar fails, even after we're no longer pay, able to pay a federal salary, even after the internet fails, you know, then, then what are they, how are they going to continue their power, right? Well, we're going to keep CNN going on broadcast TV, CNN and MSNBC, right? And we'll mm -hmm. continue to propagandize the people uh, that we're still in control. But I mean, the way it stands right now, I mean, is anybody sure that Joe Biden's even in the White House? I mean, <laughs> the last time I was in, in D.C., they had a 20-foot fence around the White House. The FBI building's completely boarded up and wired up. There's nobody in that building. And I'm not sure there's anybody in the Capitol building. I mean, it's just... The place is vacant, right? And so, you know, what's going on that these places would be vacant? I mean, I don't get it. So uh, we're, we're in a very, very abnormal times. Personally, I'm looking for the um, man of lawlessness to arise from the healed head wound hmm. and, oh, you know, and return it to lead the beast system. Right. And these, these giants that they're building, you know, that are going to be in 21 cities that are going to speak, that's going to have an image on it. And it's going to be the image of the lawless one. And we're getting to a point where we're just about there. And so what we see is you see this kind of intentional approach where let's make things as bad as we possibly can make it. Do the next most outrageous thing you can find until we until so that when this man of lawlessness comes in, we're going to hail him as a savior. Right. So the worst things you can think of, let's do genocide. Let's impose communism. Let's go door to door. Let's violate everybody's constitutional right. Let's do all the worst things that any totalitarian dictatorship has ever done. Let's do those things and then see if anybody's going to get tired of it yet. Right. And so they keep doing these things until when the law, when the man of lawlessness arrives, is we're all going to go. He's here and he's here to save us. But he's not here to save us. He's here to deceive us. Yosha is here to save us. No one else. No one exactly, else. exactly. So that uh, kind of dovetails into my question then. You know, I'm, I'm not sure when the witnesses show up, are they two just uh, identifiable beings or is there more to the two witnesses? You know, that I don't know. Um, uh, but I, I was uh, thinking about here in Daniel, you know, we have the 10 toes and we have the rock that falls on them. And there's much of that that's, um, you know, that rock was, of course, the Messiah who come down and, and, and crushed that. I guess that's kind of my opinion, too. Um, but the, it happens when Rome is the ruler, because that's when Messiah comes. And, and do those 10 toes then, can they represent these uh, 10 leaders or 10 rulers that are going to come out and 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 like you said earlier while well, the united states is the is the strength the arm the army of 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 rome Overall. are there other can there be 10 of these kings that rise up and and rome is still i think is still a part of this end time thing you know yeah there's so, no question that rome is uh is is the center of this now, I did a, if you ever get a chance, there is a presentation we did on crossing over concerning Rome. Mm -hmm. And if you get a chance to view that, it, that's a really good one that will give understanding because, you know, you had Rome initially, the, which whose seat was Rome, and then that fell. 
and it fell due to its own corruption. But, but the 13 families immediately restructured themselves into spiritual authority. And then they began to control the political authority that had destroyed Rome. And so by the time you get to the year 800, it is the Pope that appoints Charlemagne, a German, to run the Holy Roman Empire. And that becomes the Second Rome. Or in German, the Second Reich. The right. Second Reich. And so this Second Reich ruled from 800 to 1800 AD. Then it fell apart and Germany became kind of disorganized until Otto von Bismarck brought the throne of Satan from Bergamos into, into Berlin. And they began to reorganize to create the Third Rome, the Third Reich. And this was created under Adolf Hitler, who said what? That the Third Reich would last for a thousand years. Well, we're under the impression that we won that war. Well, that's absolute poppycock. We weren't at a war to defeat Nazism. We were in a war to see who was going to become the army for Rome. Was it going to be the Germans or was it going to be the Americans? And when we won that war, we became the army for Rome. And Rome absolutely, completely controls America. And when Trump was the president, a Jesuit-trained president, he named four Jesuits to the bench. There's no Presbyterians on the bench. There's no Lutherans. There's no Puritans. There's no Protestants. There's seven Catholics. Seven Catholics on the bench. Okay? So when you understand this, and then you look, all you have to do is look at Washington, D.C. It has, you know, the obelisk that, that it has a copy of the obelisk that Caligula placed in the, in the middle of that, that circle that we call St. Peter's Square. It's not a square, it's a circle. Caligula placed that obelisk there, and that was the situs of 140,000 Christian executions during the time of Caligula. That's where they put the Vatican, and it's on top of a graveyard. And so you have the cupola, which represents the womb of Ishtar, and you have the obelisk, which represents the severed phallus of Nimrod, these are the two objects that signify Rome. That's why your two big feasts are Christmas, which is celebrated by putting in a simulated severed phallus of Nimrod in your living room as a severed tree, and Easter, which is the fertility rite of Ishtar, which is celebrated with eggs, etc., represented by the cupola. We have a cupola on top of the Capitol, and we have George Washington's severed phallus in the middle of the of Washington of, of the of the mall there, which is coincidentally 666 feet right mm -hmm. 666 feet so i mean it's very clear that we are dominated and totally controlled by rome if you drive if, if and when you look at that the roman authority is spread out through you know we talk about these mixed toes right you've got two things going on you have you have uh, uh, adroit zionism which is, and the Zionism is conjoined with uh, the Jesuit forces and with Masonry. So the Masons, the Jesuits, and the Zionists, same organization. And then you have the church, which is the overt iron part, part of the feet. And so what you see is in every American city, in every city in the UK, you're going to find a Masonic hall with a compass in the square, right? And you're going to and behind those Masonic halls, you're going to find Zionists and Jesuits and Masons. And they are the governing class throughout every church and throughout every court in the entirety of the United States and the United Kingdom. There is no loyalty whatsoever to scripture, to the catechism, 
or to the statements of whatever church you're in. Their loyalty is to the Masonic order. And all of their secret oaths and all of their blood drinking and everything else, that's where it is. That's why the entirety of the Western world is completely compromised. And so, yeah, Rome is very definitely a part. It was the Roman decision, the 13 families behind the Pope, that decided that this genocide against mankind should come forward. They, and they call themselves, you know, the World Economic Forum, right? And, and they're not obvious. The World Economic Forum is, are their puppets in their corporations that are meeting to do their bidding at Davos. And then you have the foremost Nazi mouthpiece in the world, which is Klaus Schwab, an overt Nazi, coming out and saying point blank, we're going to engage in this genocide and you're going to like it. No. And the world leaders like Boris Johnson and like uh, and like uh, Biden, if you can call him a leader, they're all on board with this. They're all doing this bidding. They're all doing it. And they know they're selling out their families. They're selling out their kids. They're selling out their grandkids. They're selling out their social order. They're selling out their country. And they're doing it on behalf of these 13 families. Because guess what? They're blinded and Hasatan has the rule. So anyway, very good point, John. Very good point about where we are. And as for the two witnesses, we'll talk about that. There's a great discussion about the two witnesses because read Revelation. It's self-explanatory. The two witnesses are the two menorahs and the two menorahs and the two uh, the two menorahs and the two what is it olive olive trees. Oh, yeah. yeah, the two olive trees. And so you have to go back and look at Zechariah four. You got to look at uh, Jeremiah eleven, Romans eleven. And uh, Revelation 1, to see who those two witnesses are. They've been with us and they are testifying. Mm -hmm. We're part of that testimony. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Okay, so, and thank you for your encouragement, too. You know, I actually completed the first chapter of my book, uh, the, uh, the Seventh King, referring to Constantine as the Seventh King. So we'll see how that goes. I'm not yeah, a wordsmith yeah. like you, though. <laughs> Let it flow. I'll tell you, here's a tip from one writer to the next. Let it flow. I mean, I could tell you, I started writing my fiction book, right? I wrote 280 pages of it. Then I sat and looked at it for a couple of years. I'm like, oh, why can't I write on? Why can't I write anymore? Then I realized one day, I need to write the background for this. I need to establish a foundation for what I'm talking about. Boom, here come another 380 pages. And I wrote that in two weeks, right? <laughs> well, I'm a pretty good at procrastinating because I, I got out all my uh, uh, information on Constantine that I printed out back in 2012. So... <laughs> 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 but it might be the right timing is now that it comes yeah, out. Yeah, we don't yeah. listen, John, whatever you do, when you look at your own work, never look at the calendar, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. Okay, all right. Thank you, John. Hey, Bettina, how are you? Hi there, how are you? Very good, very good. Well, I was going to ask you something, but I'm going to let Eileen do that because we both want to know the same thing. So okay. um, can you hold up your... Coverdale Bible again, so I could see exactly what it is. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Hold on, just one second. Because I just looked on Amazon, and there's like six thousand of them. Okay. The Coverdale Bible. This is the first English edition from 1535. This particular book was an expensive one, not as expensive as the 1611 KJV, which was 500 bucks, but. This one is done through a, a Pilgrim Walk 
and it's www.greatsite.com. And that's greatsite, G-R-E-A-T-S-I-T-E.com, greatsite.com. And they do wearing antique Bibles. And, uh, but yeah, the, the Coverdale is really, uh, it's remarkable. There's a couple of Bibles in, in Britain that I found to be really remarkable. There's another one called the Brown Bible, but I can't get it. But, um, but this one is a historic artifact and extremely important. I'd like to get that one. Okay, and also one more thing, please. You know, because of what I'm doing for you. Yes. Since I got you here, uh, <laughs> instituted what scroll? Uh, who? Crash. Oh, yeah, that is, that's called the Cyrus scroll, actually, the Cyrus scroll. And that is an historic artifact that goes from the, uh, the London Museum uh, to uh, the Smith's, no, it goes to the museum in New York. They've had it at the UN for a while too. And what it is, the Cyrus scroll is a uh, chunk of clay and it, it's, you know, it's pretty good size. It's long and it's about yay thick and it's round. And then what they did was they, they took the clay and they carved the letters into the clay. Then they would take the clay and they'd roll it in ink. And then they put out a piece of parchment and they just roll the, they'd roll the clay. And, and it would print, right? This is how it would print. And so this is what they used uh, uh, in Persia to print up this Cyrus scroll. And uh, this is the edict that grants freedom to the, ba the Babylonian, those in Babylonian captivity to go and rebuild Jerusalem. This, this whole thing's really interesting. What I'm doing right now, you know, with Daniel 924, remember that? You did that? Yeah, yeah. And and Koresh is spelled with a Q, not a K, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, yeah, because it, it appears in the Hebrew as a cough. Excuse me, as a cough, not a cough. A cough, okay. not a cough. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. Thanks for being right. such a great blessing. And for, by the way, Tina is working on, and this goes, uh, this goes back to... Um, uh, I forget who it was, if it was, uh, if it was Amy, who, who was it asked about getting the transcription for what's going on in Crossing Over. Tina is actually working with Eileen to prepare transcriptions for Crossing Over. And we are going to have those, uh, again, we're going to be putting those on the DVD. So when you order the DVD, you'll be able to get the teaching on Crossing Over plus a transcription that will integrate the PowerPoint into the transcription. So you'll be able to read and see it and archive it and keep it uh, for you know your own purposes again we they're really good they're really good to watch over and over again because even though i've watched all these to watch them again i'm picking up stuff that i didn't quite pick up before that you understand what i mean understanding oh yeah it's understanding yeah yeah and that's where we're going and that's what we try to do with with each show we try to do as best we can but i mean we just i think we just hit nine, our 96th show Bettina. I think it was yeah, you do more, yay. Yeah, yeah, you know, so, you know, we're going we're gonna to keep going until we drop, I think. But, but the thing is, is that with the transcription, so eventually we're going to have DVDs with this, with the transcription embedded. And so, so you'll be able to get the video and the transcription. You'll be able to print it. You'll be able to look at it, read it, pass it around. And we're, because we're going to, obviously what we're talking about today that I think is emerging today is that we're going to have to move into doing things by mail. And that's going to come very quickly. Okay. okay, blessings to you, Tina. Yeah, Thanks thank for your you. help. Okay, Jacqueline.
Comment ça va? Got to unmute you here for a second. Hold on. Can't hear you. Can you unmute? It's there somewhere. Use your space okay. bar. There you go. Done. There, okay. 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 Question? So, it's, yes, I have a few questions. It's actually, it's very interesting because, you know, the question I had was kind of an answer. I am, I'm also in a group in Italy with, you know, Monica Nincioni. Yes. And, uh -huh. Yes. Actually, she says hello. No. Oh, good. Well, say, and, give them my greetings. Yes. And it's a great group and same page like here. And it's interesting because we were with another brother, an Italian brother, who actually is supposed to move here in the United States. Um, his girlfriend is here. So we were talking about the last couple day, what's going on lately. And I have like a few questions for you. And one is partially, you know, answer because we think at the top of the everything with the Masonics, there is like the Jesuiti, okay? Yeah, yeah, the Jesuits, the Jesuits, yeah, the Jesuits right? Yes, we yeah, call yeah. them, sorry, I don't know the word in English, but you know, and they control in Rome. I, we, were, we were thinking that what happens now in Italy is, you know, the Italy is it's in very bad shape with the COVID, it's totally connected with the Vatican and everything else, it's all planned. Right, right. So and if you recall, if you recall, Jacqueline, there are yes. a couple of evangelical churches in Italy that have yes. become very sizable, right? Like the one in Sicily that's got like 5,000 people in it. And I think okay. there's another one in Naples that are also huge. And okay. you know, when I first learned that these evangelical churches were large in Italy, I was absolutely shocked. I thought the Vatican had complete control. Well, now you see the families raising up to assert that very control and to assert yes. that control right where those pockets of evangelism were. They're, they're, those people are the ones who are being hit hardest by what's going on, right? And in Milano, right? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, let's not even talk about all the portal. That one I know from a very long time because I studied architecture in Florence and I was studying the Gothic architecture from the Romani. They're all built in certain kind of a portal, certain kind of, it's all esoteric. There is okay, not so wait, wait, wait. So let me let me clarify because sometimes your Italian gets gets to roll oh, under pretty quickly. Molto rapido, right? So, mm -hmm. but the thing is, what you're saying is, is that each of those churches, with mm -hmm. their cupola design and with some yes. other designs, that there is esoteric aspects to that. Now, I know oh. that there have been there have been a lot of discussions about some of the things that are in in uh, the Sistine Chapel, and yes. also the discussions about the audience hall, right? The papal audience hall is clearly the head of the serpent. I mean, it's it's as obvious as it can be, right? Okay. Yes, obviously it's not just that. Sacra di San Michele in Torino is very well known. Before building the church, something was down to the territory. I don't know if there is a portal for lower dimension. There is something going on. There, those individuals, they travel through time to travel to dimension. I don't know. There is something going on for sure. Yeah, but where, where are you talking about? Oh, or basically any any gothic. That's a, I even studied school and I made a connection because even the age in, was. In, in, but mostly in in Italy, you're talking about. Yes, I'm talking Italy, but not just in Italy because in French, you know, French, German, you know, all the gothic. Yeah. They were studying. The, actually the territory like it's before building the church 
the territory was always a practice esoteric. They was choosing particular area to build a church. Right, you right. Understand? Yeah. You yeah. know what was going on. You know, like even yeah. when you build a house, you have to be careful when you build Well, a you house. know, again, we talked about this, you know, Marcus and I talked about this a little bit last week, of this mm -hmm. idea of transubstantiation taught in the church, mm -hmm. which is the idea of by means of Latin incantation, you summons, you summons the spirit, right? This is the yes. teaching of the mass. This is the, it's well known in the Catholic church that by means of incantation, you summon the spirit of Mashiach to, mm -hmm. to inhabit the Eucharist, to actually yes. inhabit the Eucharist that you then sacrifice anew. That's why they call it the sacrifice of the mass. But this whole, and this is why when you talk about esoteric aspects, there mm -hmm. is nothing. You know, even when, when people say, well, look, the, the Kabbalistic esoteric acts, you know, and Kabbalism is condemned for what? Because Kabbalists repeat this 72-letter name of Yah, which does not exist in reality, but it does in their fantasy world. And they repeat this name, not for the, they do incantation, not for the purpose of summoning a spirit. They do incantation for purposes of transporting their spirit into the heaven, right? It's called writing yeah, yeah, the that, Okay, that is so amazing because that was but, the next. But in the Catholic Church, it's just the opposite. Yeah. They do incantation to summon the spirit to come down. Okay, so I mean, which one is more evil? From my but, point yes. of view, from my point of view, the idea of incant the incantation. Even Mashiach says, "Do not do incantation. Do not do rote prayers. Do not stand there at the wailing wall repeating the Amidah." Or repeating the, you know, or or repeating the 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 Kaddish or something like this, you know, don't stand there doing these repetitive prayers over and over again because you're not called to do that. You know, there yeah. is a model of the prayer, and the model of the prayer that that Yahusha gives, this model of the prayer that he gives was actually David's prayer. Why does he give this model based on David's prayer? Because he sits on the throne of David. That's why he gives this model of this prayer. And so and when you read David's prayer, it's very, very similar. It uses the phrase, our father. It talks about, you know, your will being done. And, you know, and you have these fundamentals that, that, mm -hmm. Yah, that Yahusha is giving us in that prayer. He's giving us that prayer, mm -hmm. not for purposes of rote incantation. He's giving us that prayer so that we see the model of what's being said, right? That, that, this, right? That's exactly that's exactly what's going on, and and the problem here now, like you touch the point I was about to touch, you know, like in in heaven, like you know, ever you see the esoteric image of the devil, like uh, in the term of the God, you know what I mean? It's just right. it's just have a one hand one up, you know, the sign. Up oh yes, down. yeah, the the Baphomet. You're talking about the Baphomet. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what they use. So it basically, you know, like in sky on earth, but the sky there on sky, what would those spirits gravitate and fight and, and create a reality? Can you just take a pizza out for me? Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Carol, can you, can you say that again? So the, the thing is, with this image, you know, the esoteric image of the devil, which point uh, is esoteric, you find in, in Kabbalists, you find yeah. in Illuminati, yeah. okay, but you exactly. know, Jesuit church too. So they point the finger on, on sky, you know, to the heaven and to the earth, because that's right. exactly what happened. So they, they move yeah. 
but but let, me, but let me interject again because at this point here at this point here you know we talk about a lot of these things now you know yes. again you know when when i was in eastern russia Mm-hmm. You know, there was uh, it was very quick of the evangelicals to condemn the Orthodox Church. Oh, the Orthodox mm-hmm. Church does this, that, and the other thing. But you know, in Eastern Orthodoxy, they have attempted to protect the faith for two thousand years, however yes. wrong that may be. And the same thing with Catholicism. So it's easy for us to sit here with twenty twenty glasses on, you know, yes. twenty first century twenty twenty glasses. And we can look and say, this is pagan, this is, this is, you know, this is this. But, you know, when you look at this, this at this Our Father prayer, you have a very interesting statement in this prayer, right? Mm-hmm. Let your will be done where? Let your will mm-hmm. be done where? On uh, yes. earth yes. as it is in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, so when people say, oh, this doctrine as above, so below is satanic, we have it right in the prayer, right? Let your will be done mm-hmm. on earth below as it is in heaven mm-hmm. above. Right. Mm-hmm. So as mm-hmm. as as above, so below. I mean, this is you no. Know, so, but these things, these concepts, again, that are being taught by Mashiach in this prayer, become yes. very very important because what is the very first concept that is taught? What is the very first concept that is taught in the Our Father prayer? Uh, the, the Father. So you you direct exactly to the owner of everything. To yeah, the, but that yeah. Way, yeah, yeah, of course. But what does it say? This person, the the Father, the Creator of all that is. Hallowed be your name. Yes. Do you see this? The, the very first concept taught in that prayer mm-hmm. is the reverence and the lifting up of the name. Okay. And yes. so when we see this now, 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 what, and then when you get, of course, when you get into this litany, if you if you study David's prayer, and I think I have something on this on the website. Mm-hmm. If you okay. study David's prayer, I think it's in First Kings. You're going to see that David is going to use a bunch of terms that are really laying out what Mashiach is trying to tell us, what Mashiach is trying to say in this prayer, right? And this idea of hold on, hold on, the idea oh. of forgiveness, right? And, and the idea that forgiveness is forgiveness does not happen in our life without our forgiveness of others, right? This is a very important, a very important aspect of this prayer that we Mm -hmm. forgive others that we might too be forgiven. Now you have these, these, these other premises, these, these two last premises, which are what does Yah lead us into temptation? No, Yah does not lead us into temptation. And so we have this, we've got this over there in the phrase that Yah is going to lead us into temptation. No, he's not leading us into temptation. He's not leading us into temptation. What we're but trying to say is wrong. we want mm-hmm. to be kept from temptation, not yes. don't lead us into temptation. He's not going to lead anybody into temptation. It's but to it be kept from temptation. Yes. And of course, what? The workings of Hasatan, right? But deliver us from the workings of Hasatan. Because what? What did he tell Peter? I'm going to sift you. Okay. Now, Jacqueline, I've got, so, I've got, um, listen to me. Listen to me. Okay. To I need to hold you to a question. Ask okay. a question and let me answer. Otherwise, we're going to talk for an hour in Italiano. Uh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so my my question was more related. If if everything, there was something else with the harvest that we spoke before, right? So right. 
it's a it's a possibility you think that all because at the end of the day the evangelist too the mother is a one is the cat i mean we know the mother is a one they're all connected at the end of the day they all serve the same the same purpose so the fake messiah coming okay right. it's do you do you feel are you agree with the fact that we now experience a complete uh, apocalypse which tend to be from beginning to end. And people will believe that everything is completed, but that was just the Hasatan apocalypse. It's just, you know, because everything is- No, I don't think so, Jacqueline. And I appreciate this question. Okay. I think that we are, we are in absolutely, when I was writing pleadings last year in 2020, you know, I filed mm -hmm. five lawsuits trying to stop this thing from going mm -hmm. on. And Yah has told me this year, don't get in front of my judgment. Don't get mm -hmm. in front of it because it's a D8 cat. No, no, just, I just over. So you cannot do this. So, but when I filed the pleadings, what did, what was I finding in the pleadings? I was finding that I would open up every statement of facts where this is something we have never seen in history before. Yes. Every opening of the statement of facts, we have never seen this in history before. No, and no. Because of, no, wait, here, let me answer the question. Okay. Because we have never seen this before in history, we, mm -hmm. we are seeing. So, and when you when you look out now, I think it was John that mentioned it. Mm -hmm. It might have been John. I think it was John that mentioned it, or Chris. It was Chris mentioned it. We have half the world vaccinated. Half mm -hmm. the world. Half the world. This has never happened in history. When you're talking about billions of people who have now been exposed to whatever this is, this genetic therapy to this, right? Mm -hmm. Half the world. So when you see something like that, when you see that the whole world is, and, and this is what, and this is what, I, where I really have a problem with a lot of people in the Christian church, they don't want to believe. Oh my gosh! They don't want to believe that the vaccine is the mark. They don't want to believe it. It can't. Mm -hmm. And I've had, I've had many of them saying this is the precursor to the mark. Well, here's a question: Why would Satan use a precursor? Let me give you a hint. This is where I'm going to go. Why would there be a precursor? He's not interested in a precursor. He's interested in marking people. And people say, and I've had people say, well, I can still buy or sell. I can still buy or sell. So why that you, that you must be wrong. No, no. We just haven't gotten to the point where it's going to be, you will not be able to buy and sell unless you have the mark. But as I, I reported here today, one of the gals in my fellowship, she was told point blank, you either get the mark or you're unemployed. Oh, I know. They, they issued it by edict. The, the U.S. federal government has told the U.S. military, you either mm -hmm. get the mark or we're going to kick you out of the military and you're going to have to repay all the money we put into your training. Right. Mm -hmm. That's an economic yeah. sanction, a, a major penalty. And there are stores. You can't come in here unless you've mm -hmm. been vac vaccinated. There are airlines. Yeah. You can't come. In, you can't get on the plane unless you've been vaccinated. Lufthansa. Lufthansa sent me this thing. Germany's open. Again, mm -hmm. or the vaccinated, or the mm -hmm. vaccinated. Don't come mm -hmm. in here unless you don't get on our plane unless you're vaccinated. Okay, mm -hmm. okay. And so you, what you're seeing is little by little, this this area of life, vaccine required. This area of life, vaccine required. Military well, service, yeah. vaccine required. Being able to mm -hmm. shop in this specialty store, vaccine required. But ultimately, it will be all of them before this time period is over. It will be all of them, vaccine required, or you can't participate before this is over. So when you see that, how can you call that a precursor to the mark? It oh, is no. the mark. 
Yeah. It is okay. the mark. It's not a precursor. And it's just like, and the people, and most of the people who say, well, I can't accept the fact that it's a precursor. Why can't you? Because I haven't been raptured yet. Well, guess what? You're not going to be raptured. You're going to go through most of the tribulation. Okay, that's, raptured. that's what I was about to say, Steve. Maybe I didn't express myself well. We are in tribulation now. There is no question. We are okay. in tribulation. All right. Okay. So we are agreed. I agree with that. And then I'm even wondering if this, this is the harvest. You know, the vine already asked, vaccinated and vaccinated. Yeah, well, you know, Chris, my, my children no, vaccinated. Josh, Josh raised that point. He said, this is the har this is the harvest that's going on. And we look I thought about things. that too. Many yeah, times I talk about it. Yeah. The, but the only thing that, that I'm saying, I, for what I saw, and that's a long story, that kind of, there is like a preparation to show a fake Mashiach. In the sense, people, how the beast can be really honored. Yes, the beast can be a system and you can honor the system without even realizing the beast. But for what has been going on in all the church and all the Vatican and in all the evangelistic church, in all the new age movement, and blah, 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 and Kabbalists. And it seems like they're preparing the arrive of the fake Jesus Christ. So the fake Mashiach, that's why I'm yeah, saying- the fake Mashiach. Well, I, yeah, I, I think you're right about that. And I don't think that is long from now, okay? No, it's I don't coming. think it's long. And I think when you're talking mm -hmm. about this man of lawlessness, the little horn, mm -hmm. the vile mm -hmm. person, et cetera, et cetera, you're yes. talking about somebody who is going to be perceived as a worldwide savior. Someone who's yes. going to come. So what's happening right now is Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, uh, uh, Xi Jinping, you know, and some of these other world leaders, Ang Angela Merkel, you know, Francois Macron, uh, Justin Trudeau, they're being blamed. They're, they're the ones who are going to be blamed for spreading yes. the vaccine. Then the savior is going to come in and the savior yes. is going to come in and the savior is going to say, I'm going to save you from worldwide communism. I'm going to, I'm going to save you from this. And it's going to be a most ruthless yeah. dictatorship under mm -hmm. a singular man who is going to claim to be the savior. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'll just say this, Jacqueline, we're not far from that day. We no, we're not, not far from that day. And this image that they have created, this giant that they're putting up in and 21 cities yeah. that speaks and that, you know, whose arms move and whose head moves and speaks, and it's LED, so they can cast any image, they can cast any image about to say, that they want onto this giant. So what do you have? Yeah. You have an image of the beast who speaks. And, that, and I can tell you, even though they can tell you, oh, we'll put Michael Jordan up there. Oh, we'll put uh, Superman up there. Oh, we'll put oh, Catwoman no, up there. Buddha, we'll be, I can tell you, when they get done, it's Christ. gonna, it's going to be one person. It's going to be one person on those giants, one person and one person only, and it'll be speaking worldwide. Okay. Yes. Thanks, you. Thanks, Jacqueline. I got to move on. Thank you. Blessings Thank to you. you. We'll see you next week. Okay. Searching for the dot, dot, dot. Go ahead. You're on. Hello. Are you there? All right, you've got an echo, 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 echo. There's too much reverb, reverb, reverb. <laughs> now you get your speakers too high. You got to turn them way down. Okay, can you do that? 
Okay, I'll come back to you. Let's go to Randall. We'll come back. Okay, Sergio, we'll come back. Randall, go ahead. Hey, Dr. I had hey, Randall. Turn my video back on. Um, um, gosh, a lot of good stuff to talk about today. And um, um, I, uh, yeah, I was thinking about back when you were talking about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, about the Holy Spirit and the more you have leading to healing you've been a, you know i've been in a wheelchair for 24 years uh that was in june 10th of 1997 and that's always made i, I hate to question uh you know you know i feel like i have the holy spirit but then you know i'm still this way and i'm like am i is there something i'm doing them that i'm blocking it or you know, it's no. just, just no, no, saying, you're not blocking it. You're no. Stay this way and um, no, Yah has, Yah has, Yah has done this. You know, there's a discussion in scripture about this, right? A child is born blind, and the disciples come to Mashiach and they say, What were the sins of his parents? And Mashiach says, You have erred greatly, for this child was born blind to glorify Yah. And you know, uh, the fact that you've been in, in, in this wheelchair for 24 years has to do with glorifying Yah. And you may not know how you glorify Yah in that condition, but you do. You do. Because guess what? You're there in that chair and you're still praising the name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I mean, it's powerful, my friend. It is powerful. And we can't forget that. And yeah, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if we could say, yeah, well, what about the sickness unto death? I mean, we're all going to die, right? And so even though we may have the Ruach HaKodesh, we still come down with something that kills us. You know, Yah takes us home and there comes a point where the hairs in our head run out, right? And uh, this is the thing that Yah, that Yah does. And so it's one of the mysteries. But I can tell you, those who, are, those who suffer the kind of disability that you suffer, nonetheless, you are here to glorify Yah. And the fact that your heart is still open to him and the fact that you are, that you are a child of his name, man, what a testimony that is. It's powerful. Amen. Thank you. Um, the other thing is um, uh, I believe Yah opened my eyes back in 2007. I didn't realize what it was. I just remember uh, it, it's almost like the fog was lifted. And I, I understood things better, and I could see things better. And um, it was about that time that I started. I started my journey to where I am now, and um, you know, I started with the creation videos, and it was just a, a long thing. And um, before I realized, and you know, actually being in this walk, um, I think that was. 2015 is when I actually started this particular walk and um, so I, I've, I've come from no background on how to study you know I, what I've done is I have watched about a billion videos and teachings mm -hmm. but as far as knowing how to do a study and there may be other people out there who, who are winging it like I am and in trusting the trust in the Ruach to help discern truth from because everybody has some piece of the puzzle or some, you know, and usually I wait for a second witness before I'll 
you know, okay, yeah, now I'm hearing it over here. Um, but I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm just oh. winging. I'm just doing these. Um, yeah, I know. I, I think for all of us, there's a, 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 some issues because when you're talking about, okay, well, look, do I do, uh, you know, word studies, right? Etymology. And etymology is a very good place to start in word studies. And, you know, we recommend using uh, eSword on, online, which is a free download, right? And, and you can get eSword and you can load up eSword. I mean, you get eSword and then you can download like, I don't know, 50 Bibles, including the Sefer. Now, you don't get the complete Sefer because we can't get the Apocrypha in there because of their form. But you can get a 66 book form of the Sefer. You can get Strong's Concordance. You get all these teachings. And then you get and then you have the ability to do interlinear studies. You can get the New Testament in Hebrew, in two different versions. You can get it with Strong's Concordance. I mean, there's a lot of tools on eSword. So number one, make sure you download eSword. It's a great study tool. I have it. Study in scripture. Okay, you got it. Yeah. And then. Then when you study, you know, we talk about this, you know, like, for instance, uh, Chris brought it up earlier about the Torah portion, you know, the Torah portion, reading the Torah portion on Shabbat, including the Haftarah, which is the prophet portion, and the Besorah, which is the gospel portion, read those portions, because they're kind of correlated. But, you know, it's not up to us to have some kind of study methodology. The truth is, is that the Ruach is going to lead you in your study. And you know, you, you need to, you know, you know, study as you go, but you have to make sure that you read the entirety of scripture and you can keep track of yourself as you do it to, to read the entire, you know, you know, in, in, in the, in the Jewish world, uh, what do they call an ignoramus? You know, somebody who's read the entire scripture once, right? That's, that's what they call an ignoramus. You've only read it one time, right? And, you know, and so there is a lot more to learn. There is so much more to learn in scripture. And, you know, and uh, studying etymology is a, a really good place to go because you're going to discover things there that are, are going to really be revealing. And so, but, but like I say, send, send me something over at Stephen at Sefer.net and we'll get you on the mailing list and we'll get you going for Sefer Academy. And uh, we're, we're, we're going to start like, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good study tool for everybody. Once we I definitely that in the um, teachings because the one you did on the, um, the history of scripture. Oh. Yeah. I would love to listen to that, you know, over and over again, because that was a, that was such a profound teaching. And I would love to even just share that with, you know, my brothers that I, I have on uh, Marco Polo. And oh, um, okay. that was such a, just such a great teaching. And, you know, I'm, there's there, you know, when I hate when I miss one of these, I haven't missed, but I think one, but I hate when I miss these because I can't go back and watch it. Well, I have, I have all of these saved and I'm just trying to get my act together. I'm still in the process of trying to finalize my studio. And so once I get my studio together, which I should be pretty close to done this weekend, hallelujah. Once I get my studio together, then I'm going to be able to start converting those into DVDs. And so, like I say, you got to write me so I know what your mailing address is and then we can right. send them. Okay. Write me and then we can send them. I've ordered stuff through you. I think I have just about every one of your your books. I think I have them all. Oh, great. Um, well, well, we'll send you. Well, you know, now it's time to get a DVD collection going. <laughs> oh, but uh, you know, and you're right. You know, I think I think people are, uh, are going to start experiencing, like you said, are going to start experiencing these blackouts. Um, I had my internet go down for 24 hours uh, a week or so ago. It just 
I couldn't get on. I, I mean, thank goodness I still had my my phone, but you know, I don't keep much memory. I don't keep much uh, stuff on there because I don't want to pay the, you know, I want I don't want to pay for unlimited. And I'm always in a Wi-Fi area, so I don't have to worry about ever going over. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, right now I'm on my phone. Um, I can't do this. Um, well, I could pull out my laptop, I suppose. But well, when uh, we get to sending these things out, like I say, um, you know, what I really would like to do is get them transcribed too. And there's another option too. When these are when these are um, when these are recorded, they're actually recorded in an audio file too. And I may be able to convert those to MP3s and set them up as a, as an available podcast that you can get. Now we're trying to get all this stuff has got to come together. I mean, like I say, it's been we've been really confused for the last six months because of this move and stuff. But we're gonna we're gonna settle down. And when we get the stuff settled down, we're gonna start going into a format. So if we can get the podcast going, then we can start, we can have these available on the net uh, so that you can just click on the MP3 and then you can listen to the program again, right? And, uh, you know, couldn't, so you do, um, couldn't you put multiple teachings on, on a, uh, a thumb drive? I mean, most, you can get thumb drives that are, what, 256 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna think through it as to how we're gonna do it because if we're gonna put it in with a transcript, that's a different issue. Okay. Right. And so yeah, so these are things we gotta we gotta work through. Okay. Okay, okay Randall. Something, something that Heidi said um, when she was talking about the people who are being able to transport and everything is does that have anything to do with? I mean, are they using like the ley lines? Have you you've heard about that before? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's very possible. I mean, you know, the stuff that goes on in Europe is, uh, has got a lot more esoteric background to it because they've been doing it for thousands of years. And when you're talking about those lines, like for instance, there's a very interesting line between a Stonehenge that was found in New Hampshire. And if you draw a line straight through it, it goes right through the Stonehenge in Britain. And then from there, right down to Mount Hermon in Israel. And so, you know, there's, there's very interesting lines in the world. And so uh, it, that's all possible. And then, and then the question is, you know, is Mount Hermon, for instance, there in Israel, is that a portal? Well, the Bible says so. That's where Jacob's ladder was. That's where the Mount of Trans Transfiguration was. It says that was a portal. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, and this, and Enoch says that's where the fallen angels came through. It was right, right there. Right. You know, so yeah, I mean, we're gonna we'll leave it at that. We'll just we'll leave the discussion there. Okay, okay, Randall. Thanks so much, brother. Take care. Okay, Eileen, how are you? Eileen, are you there? Did we run out of time? I think everybody's frozen. I think we may have, we may have reached our end here. Jason. Hey, Doctor P. It's searching for the truth. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, hey, there you are, searching for the truth. All right, good. What's going on? I was sitting next to Doug, um, good brother, and uh, you, this, this teaching was absolutely amazing. And it's really important that people know what happened to Mashiach, what he actually went through during that crucifixion. Yeah, um, I, I think so. You kind of blew me away because you just gave me another witness to an experience that I had. Uh, about six months ago or so, um, I asked him to show me from a medical perspective because I was a medic and uh, he showed me and I got to see the crucifixion from outside of time and space. 
and there are Bible codes that confirm that. I'm also a Bible code searcher. And right, right. You just, you just gave me another witness. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, now, when you talk about outside time and space, I mean, I can tell you, we were talking about this last night. We had a really good discussion until about midnight last night, talking about the seven heavens, right? Because right. you have that very interesting passage where Peter says that to Yah, a single day is a thousand years on earth. Well, what if there's seven hells? And then to us, a single day is a thousand years in the seventh level of hell. Think about that for a minute, what that looks like, what that eternity looks like, right? I don't and know if there are uh, seven hells. I do know there's one, and I came back from it. Oh, is that right? Yes, sir. Back in uh, 2018, I, I, was a, I was a bad boy. Um, that was after he spoke my name, by the way. Um, but in 2018, I had a, um, well, I thought it was a dream at the time, but um, I ended up in a very dark place. And I ended up face-to-face -face with, with Satan. And he said, you're mine. And I told him seven times right in his face, I am Yahuwah's, 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 and so forth until the seventh time. And just before he turned into fire, the last thing I heard was, be gone, this one's mine. Hallelujah. And then I, you know that feeling you get sometimes when you're sleeping, when you're laying in bed and you feel like you're falling? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. There was actually a hard thud. And I thought it was actually my buddy upstairs who came down to mess with me. And so with my PTSD, I popped up ready to fight, but I was laughing at the same time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've heard these reports from other people as well. I mean, it's some, it's a place we can't go for right and go, go to right now, searching for truth. But if, you know, but if you can, we might be able to bring this up on another occasion, but we're running out of time now. And so we've got to kind of, I've, I've got a few more questions to go through and I want to get through those. Okay. Sure. Another time. No problem. All right. I, I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Thank you. Okay. Blessings to you. Eileen. Hi, Eileen. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, Okay, so I just had a really quick question. It's not going to take but a minute. A couple of weeks ago in one of the shows you did, I think it was with Jessica, uh, you mentioned that we asked to be here at this time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I wanted, I wanted you to expel, you know, expound on that because I really wanted to know. Well, you know, look, you know, we, our souls were sitting in heaven, right? Uh -huh. has created the beginning from the end and he knows the beginning from the end. I mean, for him, for us, time moves on for him. He's just seeing the light move through creation, right? His creation. So he knows everything that's there. We just haven't seen it. It hasn't been revealed to us yet because we're in the space time continuum, but there was a point in heaven. And I know Yah has shown me this personally. He was like, yeah, because I remember the conversation I had with him before I was born and I was being a real wise guy. I was being a real wise guy to him. And I was like, yeah, huh? you can put me in the farthest wilderness and I'm still going to do what I need to do. And he's like, is that right? And so he did. <laughs> <laughs> he put me up here in Alaska. But, you know, I really believe that we chose this time. We were sitting in heaven and we said, oh, what time would you like to be on earth? Oh, I want to be there for the end of days. Guess what? You got your wish. You're here. You're here to see it. 
You wanted to see it. You asked for it. And now you're here. And so for some of us, we look at it and go, this is crazy. I don't want to be here anymore. Well, <laughs> you know, I really believe that we asked for it. We asked to be here. And this is a time that we wanted to see. Okay, well, what time do you want to be in history? Well, you could be there for the crucifixion. You could be there for the uh, Inquisition. You could be there for, you know, this slaughter or that slaughter. But no, no, no. You're going to, you want to be here for the end time. Okay, well, here we are. So that's what I meant. Now, is there any scriptural support for that? No. But I do have my personal testimony. And I know what I've, I know what kind of a wise guy I was, Diana. I should have kept my mouth shut and just said, you do, you pick, you pick. Better for you to pick than for me to pick. But I wasn't because, smart enough to do that. So. It makes sense to me now after you said that, because there were a lot of things in my childhood that I, I remembered. And at four years old, I remembered some things. And I thought, and I, I've always held those things in my heart, but I didn't, you know, I didn't actually consider anything about it until you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, we can remember if we think about it. Thank, Thank you, Eileen. Thank Blessings. you. Blessings. Okay. okay, Olive Oil, how are you? How's the group in Texas? Hey, we're good. Good. How yeah, are you? In an, you're in an undisclosed location. <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's so funny. That is hilarious. Um, is, is this Elizabeth with you? This is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello, I want to say hi to you. Hi. Okay, so what's going hi. on? Talk to me. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm with Wisecracker here. <laughs> okay. I'm, another, I'm another Wisecracker like you, Dr. P, you know, at the beginning <laughs> when the father said, you know, do you want to go there? And I was like, I'll do it. Yay. And then I'm here and I'm like, I want to go home. Send me back. <laughs> uh, no know? complaining. No complaining. Yeah, I know. He makes us live up to our vows, right? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, I was going to ask some questions, but I may leave that to i wanted to just share with the few the people as well um there if you guys look up if it's okay with you dr p I, I mentioned to you about the hydrogen peroxide which can be taken on a very low dose which will help anyone who gets like stupid colds or flus you know and feels rubbish it is really good i've took it for years and, and i've even given it to my son and it does i mean you've had it as well right mm -hmm. so it keeps away the colds, keeps away, you can make them in spray bottles, 3%. So uh, if you any of you guys look up 35% um, food grade hydrogen peroxide and just look at the the, the health benefits for that um, and then do your own research, you'll find out. Saves me going into it all now. That was one thing. Um, and the other one, whilst we're doing this now, do not eat any GMO bleached wheat. Stay away from it because it bungs up the stomach and causes you to get cold-like, flu-like symptoms. So you, you don't want to be taking any of that as well. So that's just a little bit of I wanted to yeah, share. Yeah, the nice thing about the nice thing about American flour, Amy, is that it's half wheat, half Clorox. You know, that's the good part about it. <laughs> yeah, and maybe a bit of cocaine, right? My, 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 <laughs> who knows? Sorry, but um, yeah, um, the the other thing as well you mentioned about uh a radio signal um, two years ago when I was in the UK, I was praying to the father and I kept getting, funny enough, the number 144.4. And I'm like, what's this mean? Like, you know, 144.4 people are going to be redeemed. I don't know what he was. And so I was praying and asking and he was 
it was like he was showing me it's a it's a, a frequency which is actually so I I just YouTubed 144.4 because I don't know what he was saying and a ham radio station came up and I believe this is the radio signal that is going to be used when everything goes out it's its frequency is exactly 144.4 hertz and it's the old ham radio that they uh, and it's not expensive. I mean, it might be now. I don't know, but I, I don't think it's that expensive to get. But it's that's not, the but one. You have to I be licensed. You have to be licensed unless you're in a rural area. And I was thinking about doing that actually, licensing. And you can also broadcast on shortwave. You know, it's shortwave is a possibility to do as well. But I'm going to look into that. Thank you, Amy. Yeah, Thanks. I just wanted to mention that. And um, the guy who was on before, who was speaking, who was in a wheelchair, brother, has he gone? Um, yeah, yeah, Randall. Randall, yeah, I just wanted to give him a, a couple of encouraging scriptures. I won't read them out because I know you want to go because it's, it's getting late. Um, and so if if he reads Isaiah 35 or just or 35 5, it speaks about um, the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. We know that Yahushai. Um, actually quoted that about Yohanan to send John the Baptist, the immersor, and to send them and say the blind eyes see, the the um the deaf here and 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 the, the dead are raised. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he said he quoted from Isaiah Isaiah thirty five five. Uh, well, the scriptures, and if you keep reading that, it speaks about the lame shall leap as a deer. You know. So I want to encourage the brother, and also the book of Obadiah, uh, extremely profound about uh in 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 uh obadiah 121 it says and the saviors uh shall come up at on alatav mount sion to judge the mount of esau and the kingdom of yahweh now if we read that whole chapter as well as isaiah 35 it's extremely encouraging to show us um you know the people the father's calling us to him he's not he's not going to leave us He's, he's, that's not who he is. So I just want to encourage people. That's all I wanted to share, really. I have right. something else, but I'll share with you privately uh, about the three hours of the, you know, the no moon thing. I don't want to go into, I'll talk to you that another time when we get opportunity. I don't want to keep you too long. All right. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you. Okay. So with that, we're going to wrap up our Shabbat meeting. I want to thank everybody for hanging in there with us. We lost a few members, but, you know, they don't have the endurance of the saints. What can I tell you? <laughs> I, I thought we were only halfway done. <laughs> ready for the other half. No, I got to tell you, you guys are such, you guys are so wonderful. It's just so wonderful to have joined together today. And so I want to say a prayer and let's say a prayer and then we will, we will continue on our Shabbat or our Shavuot Tov as we begin. The okay. So hallelujah, 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 wah. hallelujah. Thank you, Yah, for being with us. Thank you for your spirit guiding us. Thank you for being with us today. And thank you for bringing our fellowship together. May we be a fellowship in spirit throughout the week, uh, knowing of each other and caring for each other, praying for each other. May we walk together in one in the unity of the Ruach. We ask for your blessing on this week, Father. Uh, call us into your ministry the way you will. Put us on the straight path and push away the dross uh, from, from the steel. Push away the dross from the silver, push away the dross from the gold that we might be before you uh, in beauty and a blessing to your name. Thank you for putting your name before us and on us. We give thanks for all these things through our mediator, Yahusha, 
who lifted himself up before you and carries our prayers to the throne with the groans of the Ruach HaKodesh. Blessings be unto you, Yahweh Sebaot Barukata, Yahweh Sebaot Al Kadosh Akad Yasharel. Bahashem Yasha, in the name of Yasha. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dr. 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 Thank you, Dr.